0: Hey everybody, go to BurtBurtBurt.com and get my book. Check out my door dates. I'm in Atlanta coming up. Go get a shirt. Today's guest is a guy I've been dying to meet for a long time. He is absolutely hilarious and he is a legend on the road. Every wait staff talks about how hilarious this guy is. And this is us meeting for the first time. Stand-up comedian, Chad Daniels. This is I Wanted to have it like there for him. So I was like, "Oh, okay." But you, Jim Norton and Joey Diaz are the only people that haven't held it.
1: Oh yeah, no, I'll,
0: <clears throat> I'm happy to hold it. Uh, it is so good to meet you. Likewise, uh, I feel like this I is... feel like I've heard your name more than any comic, and it's and it's you're one of the one of the people that every fucking club says is their favorite comic. You and John Morgan.
1: Well, that's. I mean, I, I don't know. That's crazy to hear, but it's. Uh, I every it's weird we get brought up in a lot of the same situations. So someone will be like, Remember when you did this? And they'll be like, Oh, fucking Kreischer, you should hear this story. (laughs) So it's a lot of that. I think it's just been we've been troublemakers so much we get brought up a lot,
0: but I think so. I remember the first the first time I was in Dayton, I fell down a flight of stairs, and then (laughs) and and they were like, Oh, you need to party with like, but you're you're also you're also the one of the guys like I always say that comics. Comics think they're better than they are until they meet guys that they've never fucking heard of and then they're like, "Oh fuck, I'm not really that good." Like Tommy Jonigan was the first person that I was like, "Oh motherfucker, I got to start writing." Like Oh yeah, yeah, that that guy. But you're machine. you're someone that you don't really see in the LA clubs or the New York clubs, but when you see your fucking TV sets, you're like, "Mother, this is some of the best writing I've seen." Oh, well, that's nice. Like I I the your TBS your thing with Conan where you you said uh You're dating the black chick. And she said said something crazy in my ear. Oh, right. It's a callback to the earlier joke of your grandmother being racist. (laughs) Yeah. It was one of my favorite. Oh, thanks. It was really great. Uh, And I was like, mother, I'm not writing at all. I'm not writing at all.
1: Well, there's stuff to do here. Where I live, it's nine months in your house. I mean, I live in northern Minnesota, so it's...
0: That's my first question. It's freezing. What do... Okay, so so let's just start from the beginning. When did you start doing stand-up?
1: 98. I was living in Minneapolis, and I started going to open mics at Acme. Yeah. And then six months into that, I got asked to go audition in Grand Forks, North Dakota, for a house MC spot. And my first audition week was uh, Hedberg. Shut up! He had just gotten his five hundred thousand dollar deal from uh, Just for Laughs. You yeah. Know, the Fox development deal that he had, and and like he, it was. It was crazy. Everyone was talking like, "Oh my god, Hedberg," and I didn't know who he was, you know? I are still started. I mean
0: technically an open micer. Right, absolutely. In yeah. your opinion and like yeah, yeah. Yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. Yeah. And you're excited to get the House MC gig? Oh, absolutely. It was uh it was fantastic.
1: It but then, you know, then it's your first week. It's like, you know, losing your virginity to this amazing lover <laughs> and then you have to go down dirtbag trail for a while, but <laughs> but uh it was it was interesting. Yeah, and it was kind of cool cuz then I I got a Injected into the scene, there people were like, "Oh, that's Hedberg's buddy," and I got an automatic kind of extra points for being cool. Really, and I wasn't his buddy; I was just working with him that week. But oh, okay, that makes sense. But uh, yeah, it was it was great. And then I did that for six months, and then started going on the road. And I had to host karaoke when I was in Grand Forks after the shows. <laughs> it was insane, just drunk. So you
0: up, 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 uprooted and moved there?
1: Yeah, I just uh, I was up there for four days at a time because that's I, my girlfriend at the time got pregnant. By me, yeah. <laughs> um, and so I was like, it was three weeks in. I'm like, all right, I guess I'll just pack my shit and come home. And she was like, no, no, no. I know this is what you want to do. Stay up there. I won't need you until the six months is up, anyways, till the last trimester. And that worked out well. Yeah. So there you
0: are. And so then you then what happens with the chick? Do you guys get married? Or we did get married. Yeah. Yeah. Is that the same chick you're with now? Uh huh. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I love stories like that. Yeah. I'm one of those stories. Oh, cool. Yeah, my wife, I, my wife and I were dating for like, well, we were dating for a while, but I had, I, had bought, I had said to my dad in Clearwater, this is a chick I want to marry, and we're in the water. Like I, Two of my most important conversations I've ever had were in chest-deep waters in the Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> and I told my dad, and he's like, well, we should look at rings. I was like, let's do that. And so we looked at rings. We found a ring uh my this I'm, i love but i'm so f- afraid of being uh, like 100 percent honest sometimes because then i feel like i'm a fucking then i feel like people won't like me you right know what i mean right but the truth was i didn't have any fucking money so i had to borrow right. money from my dad to buy a ring for her and he sent it to la we got it in tampa sent it to la right when i moved in with her i moved in with her and then i was going on the road and the day after i moved in with her she told me she was pregnant and I was like, oh, wow. I was like, but she didn't know that I was, that I'd already you had the ring Had the ring oh, and, that's or any, great. and so I was like, oh my God. And then I got nervous Then I got like cold feet about getting married. because so I was like, I was like, th- everything was changing all at once. I'm, I'm sure you know those feelings yeah. of being like, well, fuck, I'm not going to be the fun young guy anymore. I'm going to be a dad. Right. And I freaked out and then said a bunch of things like, no, I know why dads are always fucking miserable. I was like, she, my wife was like, oh, this is going to be a treat. I mean, the, for the night we found out she got pregnant, I drank, uh, I drank uh, absinthe.
1: Oh, we're just trying to end it?
0: <laughs> Fucking holding on to something by a thread. Everyone's congratulating me. And I was like, oh, congratulating me for being a loser. But I was very, but I, yeah, then I kind of came to my senses and I was like, wait, I really, I really loved, I still love her, but right, I was like, this is the right move.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I was the. I mean, I feel like we have a very similar story. My thing was, I bought my ring with tax returns (laughs) of a open mic comedian. So you can imagine how much money the ring cost. Yeah. And then later on, I tried to. I was like, Hey, I'll I'll get you a better ring. And she was like, No, this is kind of cool that I have this. We had nothing, and this is a representation of that. And we're still we made it, or you know, whatever. Yeah. Whatever the bullshit she said, I can't remember. But, um, but yeah, the kid thing too, man. I was like, I even wrote a bit one time that was, uh, it was people always say babies are miracles. And I agree, their feet are tiny, yet they can somehow step on all your hopes and dreams. Because I was just like in that mindset. <laughs> yeah, I was in that mindset. Because one guy told me, as soon as I, I called a booker one time, and he goes, oh, kids ruin comedy careers. And I was like, fuck. And then uh, my kids have made mine. I mean, honestly, if you look at, every single i have three cds out and it's all basically dad stuff
0: so yeah. it's 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 an, a really fascinating your career is really fascinating and i don't and I, i'm hoping i'm hoping that i'm hoping that people recognize your name on the podcast so they buy every every podcast is fucking host or guest driven no one fucking like <laughs> but i'm hoping they go, go i know chad daniels from tv but then they don't know all the stuff that like all the folklore around you because you got you've have, you have, uh-huh. like you've got you've got a backstory of like of like and by the way <laughs> i'm gonna paint it very different than it really is but that you that like you live this like ted kaczynski life <laughs> up in the hills in like four feet of snow everywhere and like your kids have ride horses to school and like it's like this dream of every comic where you go the fuck am i doing in la uh, why sure. why am I not living in Minnesota and happy and 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 being around regular people as opposed to you know and 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 doing the road from there? 'Cause what it's like how how many comics get introduced by Conan as from when a win a Lake Winnipesaukee yeah. Minnesota where are you from where are you? Fergus Falls it's called Fergus Falls yeah. I mean it's like out of a book <laughs> but what so so you so then what was the let's I don't I'll get to there but like what was the leap then from from House MC to feature to Okay, yeah yeah. I, well, I, I to feature that headliners couldn't follow.
1: I was um when I got out of the House MC stuff, a lot of the headliners brought me with them to feature after that. Really? So I kind of had after I left there, I had a bunch of work on the road scheduled already, which was nice. Like who? uh bt uh yeah. and then I uh, plus I had uh um here's what really helped me in the feature spot was it's funny you brought up John Morgan cuz I worked with him Rich Miller is a guy from Minneapolis that booked knuckleheads in the Mall of America Is that is that Dennis Miller's brother? It is. Yeah. And then he he booked three other clubs. He booked like San Antonio, uh Tulsa, Oklahoma. So I went down to Tulsa, worked with John Morgan. John Morgan liked me and got me into uh, with Dave Stroop sight unseen and he booked me in all his clubs, got me in with Charlie goodnights, got me in with, uh, Colleen in Omaha, got me in with Freddie DeMarco in Columbia, Missouri deja vu. And so like all of a sudden all these windows were opening up just cause I had one fun week with Morgan. Really? So, um, so yeah, I mean, he, he really opened it up for me in the feature spot, but it was, it was just working and, having, and
0: are those, are they, are they helping you? They're all giving you feature work? All those clubs, or were they headlining you? No, no, no. I, I wasn't ready to headline.
1: Okay. So, was, so this, what year is this? It was pretty fresh. It was right when I started on the road. So this might have been 2000. Okay. 2001, maybe, something like that. So yeah, I started featuring, and then uh, it just kind of became this, this thing where I'd get advice from everybody, and I'd see everybody's work ethic. And then I'd kind of notice, like, oh, the guys that are chasing tail after the show aren't nearly as funny. As the guys that were going home and writing during the day
0: and stuff like that. Yeah. So, what, were you uh, you were going in and featuring who who were, who were nightmare headliners you had to work with. You don't have to say their names, but I'd like you to to me. The worst <laughs> guy
1: that I ever worked with ever is yeah. his name's Brad Tassel. Oh no. He's from Indiana. And he was just such a pile of shit. But this is when I was, <laughs> this is when I was just emceeing in at, at, at Grand Forks. Yeah. He had a private party that he was getting paid like a thousand dollars for in between the two, the Friday and Saturday show. So he was just doing an extra thirty minutes, getting a grand. Yeah. And he goes, "Hey, I need you to blow up these balloons," and uh, and so I was blowing them up, and I wasn't doing it right or whatever. And he yelled at me in front of the staff, and then I just kind of lost my shit, and. Uh, <laughs> And tied all the balloons without blowing them up. So he didn't have any balloons to blow up, even for himself. (laughs) Because he couldn't get in there and do it. So he was super pissed. And another guy up there also uh, one time asked me to introduce him as he was in Saving Private Ryan. And I went up there and did it. And then he goes, this fucking guy doesn't know anything. I was in Shaving Ryan's Privates. Like that was his opener. And then he like shit on me for five minutes. Oh, God. And so the next show I went up and I go, hey, this guy was in Shaving Ryan's Privates. And he goes, that's my fucking joke, man. Why would you ruin that? And I go, because I'm not going to let you yell at me again for five minutes. I'm a grown man, for Christ's sake. <laughs> and so, so then he, he shit on me again. But at the end of his set, he had this little clicker in his pocket where he could do, uh, he, like, a remote for his... He had k- karaoke or whatever and put wigs on and did all the, uh, all the different voices of the singers. And uh, I went up and had to host karaoke afterwards. And I go, hey, is... Uh, You guys want to do karaoke or are you sick of it from that guy's act? And then he was furious and he told the owner, he goes, this guy's fired or I don't come in tomorrow. And the owner really liked me. So he goes, "Uh, well, I haven't paid you and this is my house MC. So whatever you want to do with that, figure that out. And we had to work together again and it was great. Because I told him, I go, he goes, you don't say that shit about me. And I go, well, then you don't say that shit about me because I have the last word. I'm the last one that touches the mic during the show. Yeah. So I'm going to get the last word. So you're going to have to just cool it on me, and I won't say shit.
0: But That's it was just fucking great. What, the, what were the guys that were inspiring? Because it's, it's interesting. You're so accurate. There is a pitfall that I think a lot of comics fall into. I know I've fallen into my own pitfalls, not even knowing there are pitfalls. But like one of the biggest ones are the guys who look at comedy as a way of getting laid, right. and they kind of compromise whatever whatever real chances they're taking on murdering and getting pussy at the end of the show.
1: Right. I've seen guys five years later with the exact same hour, exact same place. They take the drink of water because they know it has gotten them laid in the past. Yep, And it's just like, man, you know, you, they'll come off stage and they'll tell you this hilarious story about something that's happened in their life. That's really personal and really deep, like a relationship with a parent or something. And you're like, how are you not doing that on stage? Yeah. It's so great. And they're like, well, you know, sometimes the crowd gets sad. And who gives a shit?
0: I talked to, yeah, it's, I, I've talked to a lot of comics where they, uh, Andrew Dice Clay was one of the perfect examples when this is, I don't know what his act is like now, but this is probably two, I want to say in 2001, 2002, he was, it was right when Louis Anderson had a heart attack. That's how I remember it. Okay. Enough. But, uh. Andrew Dice Clay was in the back, and he was telling this story about bikes, about having bikes for the kids. And all the kids want the fucking bikes. I got a bike. I put the bikes in the car. Fucking. And he's just going on this rant about his kids with the goddamn bikes. And he goes, when we get to the fucking park, I pull out the bikes. They're on the fucking swing set. <laughs> what about the bikes? And he was t- But he, he wasn't trying to be funny. He was just telling a story t- that it, that was his day. We're doubled over in the green Yeah, room. absolutely. Everyone's doubled over. And then he goes out on stage, he's like, hickory-dickory-duck. Yeah. Bo! I'm stuck in this. And you're like, and I'm like, why wouldn't you tell about the bikes? Like, But right. it's you know, it's tough for him because people have an expectation of what they expect him to see to do. Right. And he's, I don't I mean I'm not, you know, <clears throat> maybe he's doing the bike story now, but you're right. Some guy's can't see the forest for the trees i'm one of those people sometimes i'll tell a good story and everyone's like why don't you do that on stage i was like yeah because you don't have to sit on the mic and watch it bomb 20 times before i can get it up and running
1: right yeah i i am too i mean i I talk like i have all the answers but I'm (laughs) i'm 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 like that too where people be like that would work on stage it's like well i don't know
0: yeah it's i i just came to the realization that me taking chances is no longer just taking my shirt off and and doing a show short show shirtless. There's no chance in that. I know how that's going to work. The chances are me being like sincere, <laughs> heartfelt, yeah. like compassionate things that are don't make me aren't comfortable comedy voices. Yeah, I talk about uh I
1: I started talking about my dad's split when I was younger. And I brought that up on stage and people get so fucking sad But I, because I'm ta- trying to make the point that every guy in the room has daddy issues. Yeah. They just won't admit it because if you see a guy stub his toe, he's like, oh, you fucking idiot. You can't even walk right. And Well, that's just his dad talking to him. Yeah. <laughs> so I brought that up and people just like their shoulders slump yeah. until I make it funny because I went in to get my first car and uh, I owed my mom the credit report said I owed my mom $40,000 in child support because my dad had stolen my identity are you serious so then it's great you know then all of a sudden the story is like oh this is fucking at least yeah yeah interesting instead of
0: sad but sweet so do you know your dad at all
1: uh, yeah i know him. i mean he's gone now but past? yeah how old were you when you past um well i don't know i mean no one really knows that he's passed but that's just what we tell people because it's easier really <laughs> yeah my sister and i were like listen pinky swear he's dead let's do this <laughs> Because oh. when people act like, so I live in my hometown, I move my kids back so they could be closer to, uh, my wife and I grew up in the same town, and um, so, yeah, we just made a pact. We were like, I'm so sick of trying to guess where he is that let's just pinky swear and tell everyone he's dead. Are you serious?
0: Yeah. Oh, that's fucking great. You, why aren't you talking about that on stage? <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So um, wait, you moved back to your hometown. Yeah. So I don't want to get there yet. Okay. Uh, that's my that's my cause I'm fucking I dream about that. Okay. I dream about living in a in like in like a small town where it's like kinda cool and beautiful outdoor shit and your kids don't have to worry about speedballs and right weed and I know my ki- my kids are literally probably what, my oldest is ten. Two years away from getting introduced to marijuana. Two, Two years. Two fucking years. <clears throat> but so so you you feature I'm I'm certain you were an act that a lot of headliners couldn't follow quickly. I'd imagine you just found your voice quickly.
1: Uh, yeah, I kind of did, but I, I I took a windy road to get there. I mean, I thought I had my voice, and I was in the beginning, I was very boy bandy, like uh, you know, fit, very fit with tight shirts, really, and uh, hopping around, very energetic. And then the best thing that ever happened to me, I sprained my ankle really badly one time and it was my first headline gig in Sioux Falls South Dakota and I had to sit on a stool and the whole time I'm doing these bits that require motion for laughter I'm sitting on the stool going all right motherfucker tomorrow you write and you write jokes where you can stand still Shut and that was it so up. then I had to then I kind of changed it from there on out I was like let's just be honest no tricks and then that was kind of the beginning of my comedy now
0: but that's so great I used to I used to do a lot of yell not yelling but a lot of like intensity sure and I'd lose my voice if I, like if I did, if I was working for the whole month like I could work two weeks back to back but on my third week my voice would be gone because I'd lose it on the second week and then it would destroy it on the third week and it's so funny I hadn't I hadn't worked like that in a while and the other last like last month I worked the whole month mm-hmm. I started losing my voice I was like that means I'm not writing enough <laughs> because I'm just like ah. Honey! Just shouting every fucking punchline or, or set up. So, so, uh, so then, what was the first, what was the first joke you were, like, really proud of? Oh, man. Uh, I, yeah, I don't even know. But well, like, like the one that everyone was like, everyone would quote it.
1: I think that was probably, uh, I, so I say my name is Chad Daniels and that's a horrible name to go to the Deep Southwest because I was get a drunk redneck. Hey boy, your name Daniels, you related to Jack Haha <laughs> Yeah. And I say, uh Jack Daniels has an apostrophe in it and one guy honestly said, he goes, uh, you mean he followed Jesus? And I say, Yeah, <laughs> sir, he was one of the twelve apostrophes, <laughs> way to go. And I go, Uh like Jesus, whatever how does it how does it get it's so old? But um, like Jesus would ever have apostrophes because their main, jo- I can't re- their main job is to give up all their earthly possessions or something, and an apostrophe's main job is to show ownership. I can't remember exactly how it went, yeah. but it was it was something where smart people would come up to me and be like, holy shit, man, <laughs> we really like that one. And I was like, oh,
0: instead of just like rednecks going, hey, man,
1: when you talked about your dick, that was real funny.
0: Yeah. So it was nice to... It's an interesting mix because you're doing... You're, you're taking the... You're taking the grassroots politician approach to stand up. You're doing a lot of the clubs where uh, alternative comics that is their biggest nightmare. Sure, like anywhere in the south, like uh, anywhere, any good nights, all the good nights. I don't think anyone who works, you know, UCB or 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 Nerdist Meltdown or uh, that is a fear of theirs is going into that room where it's and it's papered because you're young, and so it's it's a lot of people that. They don't know who the fuck you are, Absolutely. and they do not want to think, and they just want to fucking cheer. So you got to skate the line of writing for yourself, but also entertaining these people to get a paycheck, right? Yeah.
1: And let's not uh, let's not mislead the listening audience. It's still papered for me. It's still papered for me down there. I mean, it's like, you know, you'll get you'll get pockets now with Pandora. It's been real helpful. Yeah. People start list. They'll be like, hey, not uh, we don't want to offend you, but we typed in Bill Burr, and then your. Your thing came up and we bought your albums and we're here to watch you. And I was like, yeah, how offensive, you pieces of shit. Yeah. I mean, it's like the nicest thing you could ever do. But, um, but yeah, Pandora's helped a ton. So that's, I'd, I'd say most, like I did an hour special and I put it up for free online on YouTube called As Is. And I thought, yeah, people are going to see this and they're going to come to the shows. Well, it didn't work that way. <laughs> but now when people come through Pandora, I can send them somewhere to see an hour they've never seen before. Yeah. so it actually worked retroactively which is nice to have something to be like oh thanks for coming go watch a different hour
0: you know that's interesting so it's, how quick do you turn over material
1: um it seems to be i'm waiting for the the walls to fall down around me because it's it's was seeming to get quicker i think i put out my first album then my second one was maybe 2 years and then my last one was a year and 3 months and then Almost before it was done, I had a new hour. But it was also stuff like stories from my past. It's like, you, you know when you find your voice and you can finally get things to work from before that didn't work? No. <laughs> 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 no, me either. But I heard, I've i heard people talk about it. I know what you're it. saying, though. Yeah, I, I, feel uh, like
0: I, I've, I, I feel like I got there. With uh, the with storytelling, I can now tell stories that <laughs> that have never that I've never been able to do because I know. But it was for me, it was a, it's a lot of comp. I'm going to talk you off about me, and that's not why we're here. Well, please do. No, I, I've no, I'm I'm um I'm in a weird place where I f- I feel like a little bit of a hack because I. I understand that people are there to see certain aspects of my sh- show. Oh, right. And so I want to give them why they showed up. But at the same time, I want to explore being me more than that. And so I'm in this fucking quagmire of like... And if, for me, also, if I'm working on a story, my stories are like 12 minutes long. So it's a real fucking commitment. Right. And if it doesn't work, well, then a th- eighth of the show is not enjoyable. <laughs> so it's like...
1: I I call that the Violent Femme Handcuffs because I went and saw the Violent Femmes once and they tried not to play Blister in the Sun and there was almost a goddamn riot. Like you felt nervous for everyone. You were like... I
0: just started listening to the Violent Femmes again and that is such... That album is fucking fantastic. It's unreal. It is fantastic and I'm like... And I was doing research. I was like, where can I see these guys? Mm -hmm. And then they're from like... Where are they from? They're from like... Are they from Minneapolis? Mm -hmm. They're from like a... Milwaukee. Milwaukee. Yep. And I was just, I was obsessed, uh, kind of like I am with Greg LeMond today. Like, I find someone, that I'm like, I don't know anything about this dude. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, I research everything I can. I'm just like, he was shot? Like, he was like, did you, you know anything about Greg LeMond? I don't. Fucking fantastic story. He was shot, and then came back to win the in a hunting accident. Anyway, so, uh, <laughs> so he just got in a car accident, too. I saw this thing on 30 for 30. So...
1: Oh, I thought you were, like, following him. You were like, he just got in a car no. accident. I rear-ended him so I could talk to him.
0: <laughs> I pulled over and helped him out. No, so, so um, but yeah, I don't, uh, the, I'm, I'm not turning over material very quickly because I am married to this one story that I think I'll be, i probably be telling every day I do stand-up for the rest of my life. So... Yeah, but, you know,
1: there are times where people will come to my shows and they're like, how come you didn't do this bit? I brought 20 people to see this bit. It's yeah. like, well... Gather them around the bar. I mean, I'm a whore. I'll do it.
0: I've done that. Because it's- I haven't told this... I haven't, I'm talking about this story about the machine. I don't know if you've heard it or not. But I got involved with the Russian mafia when I was a, a kid and we robbed a train. And so I didn't tell that story one time in the last three years. One time. And Stroop came up to me. He's like, why didn't you tell the story? <laughs> and I go, I don't know. I just thought it was the late third show for Saturday. That I could fuck around. And he's like, well, there's some really upset customers. So we went out to the bar, and I told the story at the bar. Yeah. And I was like, and I was like, note to self, um, now when I go on stage, it's like everyone's shouting for it. So I'm like, okay. But it's not enough where it's like a sold-out show of people that want to hear it, you know? Sure. So it's like, sadly, I look at it, and I go, okay, it started with like two people. Then it started, now it's like, then it got to ten. Right. Now like maybe 20 people are saying it. Next year, like... In five years, it'll be the whole room, like, "Come on, Tater
1: salad, but no, I don't think it is a tater salad. I think it's there's there's certain aspects that that are outside of hack for that, you know, like if you're doing the same bit over and I'm talking about you're talking about fans that wanna see a bit, yeah, I'm talking about guys that know that this story has had girls come up to them and been like, "Oh my God, that was so cute, yeah, here's my pussy
0: <laughs> and so." I mean, did you did you start off when you were starting? Did you start dirty or clean? Because you're pretty clean. Like Uh, you can you can do TV pretty well.
1: I can't. Yeah, I can. I can take the swear words out, but um, I started off kind of kind of the same. I think. I mean, I curse a lot on my in my club shows. I curse a ton, and people just have to get over it because that's just that's how I talk. I mean, I had parents that were screaming at each other from the time I was little, cursing, and that's how I talk. I'm not an angry person, but I just. I feel, especially when I'm doing a new bit, because I will, f- I will use fucking as a pause mechanism fucking. so I can think in the next day. And then we fucking went to the store and we fucking, you know, and people are like, where's all this fucking coming from?
0: You're have like, I've gotten to the place where I've said fucking so much that it changes the tone of the sentence. In that, like, I love fucking black guys. And they're like, what? I'm like, I love, no, I mean, because you get nervous about the, I love the way you dealt with, you talked about race and political incorrectness on that, on that, specifically on that Conan bit, because so many people, oh, thanks. So, did you get pushback when you used the term Jude from the network? Never heard that at all. I heard, uh, I got booed.
1: For saying black people, not all black people swim or whatever, and I, the guy booed me on TV. Yeah, I'd never had that happen. And, and
0: so then I just turned it into a club but, setting. No, but did you? But did you? Did you? Was that next part pre-written or did you come up with it on the fly? It it was pre-written because I had been booed earlier, so
1: I needed something. Okay. So I wrote it. I wrote it on the fly, maybe a year prior to that. Yeah. But then he walked right into it and, made, cho- it and you, made me look like a
0: genius. You were so <laughs> slow with it that you were like, I chose my words very carefully. And, every, and I'm, now I'm sitting because it's, it's a real moment on TV. And you're like, I said. And you went through and you're like, none of this. Sometimes, and the best is Asians and Mexicans. If you were offended, stay the fuck out.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, uh, that guy couldn't have helped me more. He thought he was ruining my set, and had no idea he was walking into something that was going to make me look smarter than I am.
0: Oh, it was great! It was it was really like I like I very seldomly laugh genuinely out loud, and I laughed like three or four times. And Georgia was sitting with me when I watched it, my oldest. Okay. And so when you said you said uh, my son wanted a different straw, and you said because uh, saliva, and you're like, well, I should tell you, it came from my penis. I looked at George. and George is like, huh? I was like, oh God. I was like, I'm, but it's so it's so part of being a parent and a comic is that your kids do kind of rough and tumble grow up a little bit faster than the other kids.
1: I think so. Yeah, I've I've tried to have, uh, you know, drive a huge wedge in between my personal and professional life with my kids, but they just,
0: you know, their buddies bring it to them. That's the dude. I'm having a hard time with the spillover that is my lifestyle and my uh, my career and my children's friends witnessing it and then sure. bringing it to them. Yeah. Like I did this thing. It was fucking horrible, horrible. But like I took, <laughs> I took uh, seashells. We went down to the beach. I took seashells. I bought them in a store, and I put them in the sand so the girls could find them because they weren't finding shit. But then, of course, because I'm a comic, I'm like, this is funny. I'm going to tape it, and I'll put it on YouTube. And because and my daughters lost their shit finding these They're like, oh, my God. <laughs> and so they, they went to a, I mean, it's, it is really funny, but then they went to a slumber party. Georgia did. and One of her friends is like, did you find a lot of shells when you were in Florida? Georgia's like, we did. No one t- I didn't tell them.
1: Oh, my God. And they
0: were like, you should watch this video.
1: And what Georgia fuck? was
0: like fucking pissed. She was like, Dad, like, why would you do that? And my wife had to be like, listen, Dad has a good heart. But he's different. Like His brain works different than other daddies. And sometimes, you know, he wants you to have the best that you can have. And he wanted you to have that great experience. And you did. You had those great moments. And for dad, that's what it's about. And George is like, it's, it's lying to us. I
1: love you. Your wife is like, most daddies... Try to figure out how to tell their kids that Santa and the Easter Bunny aren't real. Well, that, your dad's introducing
0: more lies into your life. <laughs> at the very end of the video, someone said, why don't you tell them there's no Santa Claus? So that's how Georgia found out. <laughs> I was like, motherfucker. I was heartbroken. I was about to get on stage in Fort Lauderdale, and I'm not the kind of guy. I don't have like – like you said, I'm not a guy that has an act. Like I don't have like a – I can't just go like – oh, fuck. I can't just like be like, turn it on. All right, everybody. Uh, right. lot, a lot of beautiful women around at, in Fort Lauderdale not in this room like I, I'm not that guy yeah. so like if something's on my head on my mind I talk about it on stage and I hope that it turns funny but I'm not gonna because then I'll obsess about it the entire time so I talked about it on stage and it didn't work but <laughs> fuck it it will work one day I'm, I'm that's uh, so funny though it's, it, you know what's really fascinating is getting other people's perspective of your bits I had this joke about my daughter seeing my dick the other day and it was, it was three months ago it was when the earthquake happened and the, I ran into the room – t- I'm not going to do the whole bit, but I'll tell you the part that was perspective-wise I would never have listened to. I ran into the room naked because I was nervous, but they just – I woke them up. They didn't even feel the earthquake. Oh. But the sh- room now is shaking, and I'm naked, and my dick's bouncing along with it. And then the joke that I thought was really funny at the tag was I am, there's only one thing I'm certain of, and they will never see a dick with that much presentation. Like, my dad's dick shook the fucking earth, like Muhammad (laughs) Ali, and then a girl was like, one of my friends, my director was like, that really kind of creeps me out when you said that. I was like, what? She goes, because I thought of seeing my dad's dick versus a dick I wanted to have sex with, and it makes me feel gross. And I was like, oh, and I bet all the guys are laughing, but all the girls are like, I'm throwing up in my mouth, because now all I can picture is my dad's dick, and that should not be the, like, the one that they remember the most. Right. And so I was like, oh, I never really thought of it that way, so now I'm going to change it, so, but, um, I don't know, so, so when did, do you like how we do this? It's like, fucking just talk about me. So, I love it. I am fucking, one cup of coffee in. The, uh, (laughs) the... So then when when did you start, when did you get your big break headlining? Like, was that Rich Miller? Did he then bump you? Did you, were there guys that couldn't follow you and you had that situation or? I never got, I never got switched. I never got switched either. I refused. uh, I was in
1: Laugh Lines in Madison, Wisconsin, and I was going to get switched. Yeah. And then I, I told the guy, no, I go, I don't care if it's not a good show. I'll, I'll tone it down, way down. And I did because I had no interest, no interest in flip-flopping. Did you
0: know the comic? I did. Was he a good well, friend? Well,
1: no, I mean, I knew, I knew the comic from that week. Yeah. And it was just like, you ha- you're having a bad week. That's all that's to but, it. Yeah. Because uh, he was a super funny dude, and I just I had no interest in, in flip-flopping.
0: Right, my first, the last time, like, I learned a valuable lesson about writing on stage as a feature from Mattel. Like, I thought, I've told this a million times, but I'll make it quick. I thought, I thought I was going to work with Atel in Hawaii, in, in, uh, in Miami. Georgia had just been born. Georgia okay. was born on Wednesday. I left Thursday to make the Thursday night show. Oh, wow. Like that's how in, that's, I was a big Atel fan, but I was also broke. <laughs> so I worked, and I wanted him. We had two shows Thursday, two shows Friday, three shows Saturday, one show Sunday. So two shows Thursday. I rock it. Wow. I mean, I'm like tight 20, destroy. Boom. Atel uh, didn't say a thing. Next show? Boom. And I'm like, I got to bring it because I want him to be like, God, you're fucking funny. You know? On the first show Saturday, after doing the same exact set, even tighter and faster and quicker and harder, I get off stage and it tells in the green room. And and like every time I get off, he'd just be like, how's the crowd? And I'd be like, they're great. And he's like, okay, great. And then after the f- f- third sh- first show Saturday, Friday, he looked at me and he goes, we get it, you're funny. Now how about writing a new joke? And I was like, what? And then he talked to me all night about how I should be using this opportunity not to kill. Like anyone can fucking kill. Anyone can do the same set, but I should be using this to write because one day you'll be headlining and people will be paying a lot of money to go see you and you won't have that opportunity to take real chances where no one gives a fuck about you. right? And so I then that day I was done and I'd, I never did the same set to feature and I wrote a ton. And there was this guy, Kelly Moran, he's dead now. He, was, uh, he had a club in Amarillo and he was the piano player from um, the comedy store, like in the day. What? Like he was like? The, he played the piano, and, and like uh, he knew everyone. He knew everyone. He's also had a little bit of a drug problem. I don't know if that's important, but it is in my <laughs> in my book. I, it always is in my book. We were at Laughs Unlimited in Sacramento. Have you ever done it? Uh-uh. Okay. You're grateful. You should be grateful. <laughs> so I, I used to feature there, and I was always writing and always writing. But then there was a time where your writing got... To the point where you could really come up with—I was coming up with things really good—and I was, and, I, and I was, Kelly was having a hard time following me. And at, like the Thursday, and he was really cool. Thursday he comes out and he's like, um, "He's like, I don't—I'm not asking you to tone it down at all. You got to do what you do, and I understand that you're writing, but he's like, you got to like really pump the brakes for me, like right before you get off. And I will—I was like, I will, I will. And then he sits down the manager and he goes, uh, "Why isn't Burt headlining? He should not be featuring." And the manager was like. She goes, he's not a headliner. He goes, no, he clearly is. I'm having a hard time following him, and I'm your headliner, so you should have him headline because he can totally headline. She goes, we don't headline first-time headliners. And he goes, excuse me? She goes, <laughs> he goes, that has nothing to do with it. If he's funny and he works at this club, he should be headlining. Right. She goes, he's never headlined anywhere else. And he looks at me and he goes, what are you doing next weekend? I go, nothing. He goes, I have a club in Amarillo. You want to headline it? And I go, yeah. And he goes, he's now a headliner. Will you offer from a, a fucking week? Wow. And I went down. I went down to Amarillo the next week, and Kelly I think fell off the wagon, and he sat in the back of the club with a cigar, and my joke book that he found in my bag, and he just flipped through it and he just read out premises. It was like one of my favorite moments ever. Holy shit! Yeah, he was like Elvis Dream. And I was like, it was like De Niro in Cape Fear. And <laughs> I could just see the smoke <laughs> billowing. The only rule, they're like, you can say N-words, you can say anything. This is his brother. But don't say a GD. If I hear one G-D, the show's over. I was wow. like, you can't say goddamn. They're like, don't even do it now, boy! <laughs> What's wrong with you? Uh, that was a fucking fascinating comedy family. His, That's insane. His youngest brother... Would come to the shows and you get fucking hammered with him and have a blast and he loved Coronas. His oldest brother ran the club and they all I think they all dabbled in pills. I think maybe they all stopped. I don't know. But his oldest brother would pick you up smoking those long one hundreds and he had a comb like a like a brush comb and he'd feather his hair and he'd comb it and he had one bad hand one bad hand that didn't work and he'd put it on the steering wheel and have a cigarette in it and then he'd be combing his hair and he'd stop. At his dealer's house on the way to the club, and get drugs when he was taking you to the fucking club. He'd be like, "I gotta run in real quick," Jeez. and he'd hop in and he'd come back out. And I'd be like, "Oh, huh. they were so..." and I loved them, and I, and I hope that I didn't just slander them. But they were fun as fuck to be around. The whole family, all brothers. And Then Kelly passed. I think he overdosed. Oh, but that's
1: that's too bad.
0: I loved those clubs. Like I loved yep. those experiences you'd have, have.
1: The uh, I don't want to call them. Yeah, just the interesting clubs with the what the non corporate I'll call them. Yeah, non corporate where the rules didn't
0: necessarily apply, and there was always a handgun involved.
1: Always, (laughs) always.
0: Someone had a drinking problem. Someone like there was drugs or alcohol and a handgun, and you and you just and you always got cash at the end of the weekend. Yep. What was the like? What were your clubs that were like?
1: This one wasn't like that. there wasn't drugs going on and stuff like that, but as far as uh, an intimidation factor, milwaukee
0: uh, mil- was this the one that was run by the biker gang? Yeah, or one of the guys. I mean but he was the he was the kindest think i think he
1: yeah yeah his name's j.D. Yes and, it's
0: J.D yeah yeah, yeah.
1: and he's such a kind soul yeah it's unbelievable one time i'll even tell you i got a couple stories about this one but uh he they had another guy there that was kind of ran by his own rules and got in trouble a lot yeah but he uh he'd always have like a knife with him for protection or for protection as i put up air quotes yeah and he'd fake like put it to your kidney or whatever and uh, one time i got i got taped up against around a pole because i was like you and your fucking fake fake gangster." <laughs> lifestyles, you pussies, think you're so fucking tough, and they tape me to a pole, and then this guy gave me kidney punches. Like, they'd go drink a little bit, and I'd be like, yeah, you fucking... My fucking daughter hits harder and you She's not even born yet, you pussies. Just come over and rap me a couple times. So uh, I was real sore the next day, and uh, then I'd go back, and one time he pulled a knife on me, and uh, i go, oh, no, pl- please don't. You know, like the fake, I'm scared. Yeah. And then the last time, he took out a gun... And put it to my shoulder, and uh, as I grabbed the gun and I pushed it away, and at the same time slid my arm up his chest into his neck and just threw him against the wall. And I go, "Knives are funny. Kidney punches are funny. You ever point a fucking gun at me again, and I'm gonna turn it around and I'm gonna shoot you in the face." <laughs> and then I just walked away, right, and thinking like my heart's beating so fast because I'm such a pussy. Yeah, it's unreal. All he would have had to do is like, "What?" And I'd been like, "Just kidding. Shoot me. Fake. I, I don't care." <laughs> Just stab me, whatever you need to do. Get it over with quick. I'm such a puss. Make it happen. Make it no. happen. Oh, God. I'm not worth it. So to let you know how big of a pussy I am, and in Fergus, where I live, Fergus Falls, there's a little a burger shack, and then there's a crosswalk through their parking lot to get to the outdoor patio where you eat. And uh, my daughter was like 10 feet in front of me, and we were leaving, and we were going to go through the crosswalk, but my daughter forgot napkins, so she turned around, and then I kept walking and opened the door. And this car, this woman who's not even paying attention, this girl actually, f- flies through. And she's, she's like on her phone or doing something with the radio. And I think she would have probably killed my daughter, right? So she stops at the stop sign. And I come. I have ketchup in my hands, big things of ketchup. And I throw them all over her car. I just like spazzed for a little yeah. bit. And she rolls on the window she goes, what are you doing? And I go, you would have fucking killed my daughter. Pay attention, you piece of shit. Like I'm screaming, right? Yeah. And she goes uh, through like just a, an inch of rolled down window, sticks her lips on, goes, I'm going to get my boyfriend. And I go, you tell your boyfriend, I'll be sitting right over there waiting for him. And then she takes off and I go, all right, kids, grab your stuff. We're eating at home. <laughs> like I just left right? or I'm such a puss. <laughs> but, uh, but then so, uh, oh, so another time I uh, it was 100... 100- 105th anniversary of Harley Davidson And it's in Milwaukee So there's this huge festival going on And I'm there for the week And I get there Thursday And I'm supposed to do radio, radio Friday And I start drinking on Thursday And they go, you can't miss radio Because it's at the Harley Davidson factory tomorrow And everyone's going to be listening And we want people to come in And I go, have I ever missed radio? Like real cocky Yeah. Worst thing you can do Get drunk, black out Wake up in like a big, huge pile of sand. There's construction downtown. <laughs> I'm just like sleeping on a pile of sand because I guess I thought it'd be comfortable. Yeah. I missed radio, <laughs> so I walk back to the condo. I have like a hundred messages on my phone. JD's sitting outside of the club with two of his uh, two guys that he rode motorcycles with. Yeah. And they're huge. And I walk over to apologize. And this one guy takes a step towards me, and I go, oh, my God, you're about to get knocked unconscious. So I was just kind of like, nah, okay, <laughs> tilted my head a little bit. And then JD goes, no. And the guy steps back, and I'm like, oh, okay. Now I see where the, the influence and the power of JD comes in. Like yeah. I never really knew it was real until he put his hand up like the Matrix and was like, wait. And then the guy backed up, and he just goes, you broke my heart by missing radio. You're fired. You can come back in eight months, but you can't do the weekend. And I was like, "That's a lot better than getting the shit beat out of you." I'll tell you that.
0: So really, so you just went home?
1: I stayed and I I partied for the rest of the, <laughs> the
0: rest of the Harley Davidson festival.
1: But it was kind of weird because people found me on the they they were like, "Hey, we came up to see you do comedy tonight. Looks like you weren't there, but you're here. That's weird, right?" Yeah. And I was like, well, "What are you doing? I missed radio."
0: J, uh, JD, When I when I worked there, I went there with the Jameson tour. That's when I first heard of you was the Jameson tour like when we did the Jameson tour we came into um min- Minneapolis and okay Acme Acme okay. and uh, the guy that runs it Lewis yep he was like he was like hes he I think he said you 're real funny but you 're dirty you know uh, you remind me of Chad Daniels I think he said something like that but there was a poster of you it was a poster that now I kind of I think probably the most the p- picture that you they use for everything okay but it was like you just put that poster out and it was all over the club and he's like you remind me of chad daniels but you're, you're too dirty and i was like oh, oh thanks and in my head i was like <laughs> but that's the first time i heard of you and i think billy gardell or danny bevins had seen you work or 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 even maybe steve byrne and they're like yeah, he's really fucking funny and then just right after that i worked with tommy john again and your name was brought up by everyone i worked it i worked it i can't remember the name of the club is jd still run it
1: he doesn't. Milwaukee Comedy Cafe is what it is. Yep. yeah.
0: <clears throat> we worked there with the Jameson tour. And I said to the way – he didn't like me at all. I used to close the Jameson tour. So the second I walked in, he didn't like me. He goes, you're not on the show. I go, what? I was like, hey, you don't get to pick who's on the show. <laughs> Jameson picked who's on the show. He goes, I don't like you. I was like – and he's like, you're not closing. I said – What the fuck? I said, well – we I close because that's it's easier for everyone if I close, and he's like, yeah. Well, you're not, you're not closing. You're going first. I go. I can't go first because it'll fuck the whole show up. We have like we have a certain way of going, and he goes, well, you're not closing, and you're not going third. I was like, he's like, you're not even a headliner, and I was like, wait, I am. A, like in my head, I'm like, how is this working? But it was like everyone was in suits, and everyone was like, it was this, There was this hardcore intimidation factor. So, and then and i was like whatever and and then he asked for money for me to pay for my drinks i was like no i'm drinking jameson they sent cases of jameson following us i'm allowed to drink as much jam- that's what, part of my rule in this show is i have to drink jameson on stage and i'm just drinking jameson and then and then like the second night he's sitting outside and i'm trying to talk to him and he just wants nothing to do with me and so i i make a i i Like the third night, like Saturday night, I go up to him and I, and someone had told me that he was in a biking group. Uh, And I, so I go, Hey, you're, are you in the, I'm going to just, I don't know, but like, you in the group? And he's like, Yeah. I go, My dad represented that group. He goes, What? I said, My dad used to represent them. I know them really well. And I said a bunch of the names of the bikers. And he went, Hold on. Who's your dad? I said, Al Kreischer from Tampa. And he goes, I know who your dad is. I went, yep. And he goes, shut up. And he called one of his friends over and he goes, do you remember when dot, dot, dot got involved with dot, dot, dot? And the guy goes, yeah. And he goes, remember that little kid? That's the little kid. And then my, the guy's like, what? And he goes, his dad represented the guy. And the guy was like, shut up. So I knew them. Oh, my and I was God. Like, and I was like, I was like, how crazy is that? I got to call my dad. My dad will fucking lose his mind. And he was like... I can't believe that. That's so cool. Yeah, there were the Florida chapter. We, we, we drove down. We knew those guys. I knew, the, I knew all those. And he said all the names. And I remembered their names. So they all had nicknames. Sure. And, and he was like, and he was like, okay. So then he liked me. I still couldn't close, but he liked me. <laughs> and then he said, so on the last night, I go, I said I made a deal with the waitstaff. They were making fucking banana tips. I mean, their tips weren't through the roof. I go, I bet I can increase your tips. If I close a show, I bet I can increase your tips uh, 100%. And they're like, bullshit. I go, let me do it. I said, I, I'll tell you what. If you, if you collectively, or I said, if every single one of you doesn't make over $150 in tips on both shows, or on one show Sunday night, on one show, then I will get naked on stage and you can take a group picture with me. But if everyone makes over 150 bucks, you all have to get naked and take a picture with me. And they were like, fucking done. If you can make us $150 of tips, done. And, and so we do this show, and we get done, and everyone's made fucking amazing tips, except for one fucking chick. She's like, I did not make 150 I made 120 and you said you'd get naked. And I go, well, that's bullshit. You made 100 Everyone else made fucking, and I was like, the game's off. And JD just stands there, and he goes, a bet's a bet. <laughs> take your fucking clothes off i was like are you serious?" and all those guys are around me i'm like oh ah. so i took my clothes off and i stood on stage with the whole staff and they took a picture with me and i was like i was like thank god this is like way way before like cell phone cameras yeah. were popular because i mean they took it on like a camera i think but um but yeah there's like probably 2004 2006 maybe but uh what's the statute of limitations on that because that seems like rape
1: <laughs> Making you just stand here, take your clothes off, a bet to bet. But then
0: they then they offered me a week. The very next week, they were like, "Hey, oh, do you, cool. like the next week, they called with an offer." But I was like, "It was it was, it was the money wasn't great, and yeah. and that club did scare the shit out of me."
1: Yeah, the money was never great, but it I, I made so many friends there. Yeah. That I mean I still go back. Is it who owns owns it now? I don't know, but uh I know that uh one of the guys in the suits that you're talking about, yeah. he's still there and I like him a great deal. His name's Chris and he runs the place and he's terrific. So yeah. it's uh it's still a fun club and I, I, I will go back until they won't have
0: me. What are your like what are your favorite clubs to do? Uh
1: I would say um Cap City in Austin. Yeah. Zany's in Chicago. I've never done it. Uh Columbus Funny Bone. Yeah. I mean there's just tons, you know, Acme. Acme is my all-time favorite because it's my home club and it just always will be great. Uh, you walk in and and it is it's my cheers. So, um yeah, there's there's lots of clubs I really like doing. I mean, I hate to just name some and then people yeah. are listening are like, "What about we thought you had fun with us?" I always
0: liked the Miami Improv, but n- everyone hated that club. I got fired
1: from the Miami Improv, I was uh, working with um, Jeff Dunham, and I was eating shit the first night, so I took my shoe off and my sock, and I made a sock puppet on my hand, yeah. and I go, is this better? Is this what you guys came to see? And Because uh, I was just pissed. I wasn't yeah. trying to make fun of Dunham's act or anything. I was just like... Oh,
0: shit. Oh, shit. Yeah. I was just...
1: <laughs> I was just trying to get the crowd to respond a little bit you know (laughs) and so uh so the manager comes back and goes hey clearly
0: before jeff dunham is like who he is now yeah yeah but he (laughs) was
1: still pretty big big enough yeah um because i even knew on a stick i even knew that line from tv so he had done enough stuff but yeah but then uh the manager comes back and he goes hey jeff doesn't want to really work with you Uh, (laughs) he 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 goes actually he said his writing partner is in Tampa, and he was wondering if you could switch. And I was like, well, that's bullshit. I would have yeah. been asked a long time before this. I go, uh, I don't have a problem being fired because I know what I did was an asshole move. But Jeff's going to have to come back here and tell me yeah. because we're grown men. That's what I always – I've never understood about this business. It's like they they pamper you and then – you know, to your face, but then they'll fire you with a phone call. Yeah. Just be a man about it and I mean I'm a grown up. You're a grown up, just tell me the truth.
0: You're but yeah, you're the minority in that. Like there was a lot of guys that well, I had a conversation with someone the other day and we were saying uh we'd say a name and we go, Is he a man first or a comic first? Oh. And it was a fun game. Like Rogan's a man first. That's interesting. Then he's a, com- a comedian. Sure. Um you're probably a man first, then a comedian. Although, although you're, although, you know, it's like, it's, it's, there's very few people like, that are like that. Like Gary Goldman's like that. Gary Goldman's a man first, then a comedian. Like if, if, if something's going to happen, Gary needs, he needs it to happen for real. Sure. Like he's not the kind of guy that's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Phone call spice. I get it. Let's not look at each other. Yeah. Like, but there are very few people you're in the minority on that one. Cause there's so many fucking cowards in this business.
1: Yeah, I guess so. I never really thought of it. But, I mean, I also know that there's always – it seems like an arm's length. So it's, it's always like, well, it's, it's no big deal. There's no emotions here or whatever. But I flew out strictly to, to let my agent go. Because to LA? I, Because I had to be in the room. I couldn't just phone call it. It's just not <laughs>
0: – Okay, I'm definitely not on that team. Well, I I'm fired just, everyone by phone calls. <laughs> well, I just uh,
1: – I, I don't know. I think a handshake and, and there needs to be closure. For, yeah for me maybe maybe the, i'm maybe I'm a woman first there needs to be closure <laughs> i need I need to say goodbye
0: so then okay let's then let's get to like so you you get some sort of heat on the road and then on comedy central or on like and you're like what what year was that where you first were like you're like where your wife or or people that were friends with your wife weren't questioning your decisions as a career,
1: oh man, they still do, I mean so that's... really. Yeah, well, I don't know if they question, well, maybe not, maybe not, but 2004, I did uh, Comedy Central had a contest called Punchline Punchout, or um, Comedy Central, Laugh Riots, Yeah, and I made it to the finals, I came here uh, from Minnesota, I picked here instead of anywhere in the Midwest, and I was in Orange County, and I was at the Improv there, and I was,
0: Oh, you had to pick a place to go compete. Yeah, in? to go
1: do the semifinals, okay. and I came out here because I had a buddy that lived near there, and uh, I did really well. And no one knew who I was, right? Like uh, um, they thought that there was a there was a female in the contest, and everybody thought like Todd Glass brought her to the contest, and everyone thought was she was she it? was going to kill. I don't I don't really. I mean, she did murder. You,
0: do you remember her name? I do. Wait, say it say it off mic. But she. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And yeah.
1: she's so funny. Yeah. She's so funny, and she's, a, she's her career has skyrocketed past mine. She's a writer and it just does great. But, uh, I, um, but I ended up winning the contest, and so I got a lot of heat from that because I was, like, thin, and I cared about my health. <laughs> and then I, uh, I got an agency through that, and then I did the finals and ate shit. But uh, through, through that first one, I got uh, Montreal heard about it and called me and was like, hey, we want you up here. So I did new faces. So 2004 was kind of my, and then I got, I did the late, late show with Craig Ferguson. Yeah. And so that was kind of what I thought was like, oh, I guess I'm just going to be famous now. No big deal.
0: And you're still living in Minnesota. And yeah, I still live. And then, uh, you got two kids at the time. You have a probably No, uh, one kid.
1: Yep. One kid at the time. And, um, yeah. So then I thought everything was moving in the right direction, but then it's like you take your meetings and you fizzle out, you know? So you just go back to doing – you fall into the old routine is basically. Did you think about moving to L.A. or New York? Uh, I moved out here for six months. I lived in Oxnard, which is like an hour north, Yeah. Um, for six months just to see if my agency would actually come through with what they said. And they were getting me more auditions when I'd fly out here for a week than when I was here. So, really? Yeah.
0: So, now, so then so at the time, you one kid. You're, are you living in your hometown or you, where are you based out of at the time?
1: Uh, at that time, I think I was Minneapolis, or maybe an hour south of Minneapolis.
0: Okay, and then and then the road kind of takes off. Still,
1: yeah. I mean, I've always I've always had good luck with keeping my calendar full.
0: Yeah, which is which is nice. It's what do you nice. think it is? Like, okay, I'll tell. I'm going to give you my example of okay. me, and then you define you. Okay, the reason I will consistently work, or the reason I have consistently worked in this business. Are I'm going to say three things. I'll say four. The last one's kind of like a end that too. Okay. Um, number one, I'm fun to be around. I uh, The club enjoys me. The staff enjoys me. I have a good time. Number two, I'm not a dick. I'm not a diva. Like So I think that I don't ever, I never complain. I always do whatever press they want. I always do the shows. And number three, I sell drinks on stage. So I think on my bar bill for the club's has always been through the roof so i think that they love having me because everyone makes money the staff and number four i think i'm funny like i think i'm funny is the last but like i think because i'm a good guy or they like me Mm -hmm. i think that's why i work and i think my sense of humor i think if you said to like i think if you called up date and funny bone they're like who's your favorite comic they may go uh bert depending on who answers the phone bert kreischer and they're like, what's is your favorite joke? And they're like, oh, I don't know any of his jokes, but God, he's fun to be around. Like, I th- sure. <laughs> like, I think yep. that's
1: how, why I work. Uh, I would absolutely say that's for me as well. I, I used to go out with the staff constantly. Yeah. And because my, my mentality was when there's an open week or a fallout, the booker will go to the staff and say, who would you like to see back? And I wanted my name to be on the top of the list. Yeah. And, and it wasn't like that was my own I mean I had fun with the staff I had a ton of fun with the staff so, um, so I think that I think not being a dick is another huge thing the first time I worked with John Morgan I was telling you about in Tulsa yeah. there was a baby shower we went out and bought stuff and hung out with the staff and like we're humans around yeah. them not just comedians and that taught me a lot not a, you know some comedians have a problem with John Morgan's act They're like oh it's the same shit it's hacky whatever he's a world class entertainer that's just a fact and um, he's a great human being so, um, so I kind of learned how to, how to be a comedian, but a real person at the same time Yeah, from him. And, uh, yeah, I think, yes, yeah, I think I have the exact same list
0: as you, well, I, except, I think except you're the selling I, drinks. I think you I, might be funnier than I am.
1: <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. But I, I don't sell, I don't know that I sell drinks. I don't know how. Do you
0: drink on stage? Uh-uh. Oh, really?
1: Yeah. Cause I, I can be a real asshole on stage. But it's not to people in the room, just my mentality overall. Yeah. But I'm like, a, I'm like a very lovable asshole. It's almost like a, a release where people are like, I think that too, but I'm going to let him say it. Yeah, That kind of thing. So, um, so I don't drink on stage because an asshole is one thing, but a drunken asshole is a whole other ball game. <laughs>
0: yeah. you know,
1: If people complain about something I said, if they can bring drunk into it, then yeah. it becomes that they can win the argument. But if I can just go, no, nope, I'm just a prick. That's all. Yeah. That's that's tough to argue with.
0: Yeah, I, I, I I'm a very lovable drunk. So like I I, I smile, I laugh a lot. Yeah. So like when I drink, I like oh, I've told Fitzsimmons I give him five thousand dollars to watch my act and tell me what to get rid of because I it's I I would say lately I've just it's like I fucking did a guest set with Steve Byrne the other day like, like two days ago with Ahmed Ahmed, Steve Byrne and Roywood Roy Woods. Jr. Oh wow. And I show up because I'm casting my show. And um, and I was like, I might as well... Steve's like, you want to do set? And I was like, yeah. I do my set. And then... And it's good. It's, I'm getting laughs. And then someone's like... Because I have a little bit of a... A little bit of a fucking history with taking my shirt off someone's like take your shirt off the <laughs> second i take my shirt off everyone's like finally he's gonna be him and i was like oh i can't just like i have to be this like larger than life hammered shirtless sweating like I shit blood last night like <laughs> like so I, I feel like i fucking i feel like i've created this character that i'm gonna live out my life being when i just like i'm, I'm working on new material can i keep my shirt on
1: that's like when you do crowd work at the beginning of a show, and it just oh. destroys, and you're like, oh, fuck, my, my jokes aren't this funny. I'm in deep shit.
0: I have done, I've done crowd work that I can't follow. Yeah. That is, that I've done things on stage where I go, that's so great, but I can never do that again, because I don't know how to follow it or incorporate it. I did this one thing the other night, which was possibly one of my fun, one of my greatest things that I've ever done, on totally on accident. I... Girl goes to the bathroom. She's a, it's I want to say it's in Dayton. It was in Dayton. Girl goes to the bathroom and she's with her guy. And as, as she she leaves, I go, how long you guys been together? He's like, two years. I go, can, can I do something? He goes, sure. And I said, the lady next to me, I said, can I borrow your wedding ring? And I said, let's just put on the table like you're asking her to marry you. And the guy goes, I'll fucking do it. And I was like, perfect. And so, so I go, better yet, better yet. When she starts walking in, You walk past her and say, I left something for you. And she'll see it and we'll witness it. So then she starts coming in. He gets up and he goes, I left something for you. She comes down. She sits down. And she's like, the fuck is this? He's out of the room. She's like, what the fuck? Are you fucking kidding me? Oh, my God. And then and I'm nodding at her. She goes, this is a fucking joke. This is a fucking joke. And then some bitch in the back ruins it. She's like, it is a joke. It's not. He's not really proposing. And she goes, are you serious? I go, fuck. I go, yes. But now... He's going to come in the room. Will you have the ring on and jump into his arms like, yes, yes, yes. And she goes, yeah, 100%. So she puts on the wedding ring and the guy comes in and he's like nervous. And she goes, yes, finally, yes, yes, yes. And it was like greatest. And then all of a sudden everyone's like, what are you going to do next? I was like, nothing. That's it. I'm going to do a joke about my dick. I don't have anything to follow it. I love those moments though when you discover something, those crowd work moments. You can't make a career out of it. I mean, yeah. Ian Bag can, but
1: yeah, God, like, that guy is something else. He's a monster. He helped me a lot too.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's one of the greatest guys. He's one of the greatest guys. I get my. He's my wife's favorite comedian.
1: Oh, I, I believe that.
0: Yeah, she loves him. Yeah, he, he him, was. He was. Yeah. He he was the guy that inspired me to be able to try to guess the car people drove. Because oh, Ian is so good. He can guess what car they drive. Yep. Mm, you look like you would drive a F150, am I right? <laughs> no, is it a Toyota Tundra? I knew it was a Tundra.
1: <laughs> Holy crap, there. you look like a truck guy. Sure.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, that's great.
0: So um so then what now I probably the question that every comic has for you. Why Minnesota? Uh well,
1: born and raised. Mm-hmm. Um I wanted to have my children have As much of a normal life as they could, because I, I picked my career. They had nothing
0: to do with it. They were just kind of born into this situation. Do you realize how ridiculous that sounds to every comic who's like, "Wait, my family has a say?" Well, (laughs) well, I mean, I
1: just gave them the. I just gave that to them. Yeah, because uh, because I'm gone a lot, and so I wanted them to have cousins and grandparents and whatever else around when I wasn't. So it's almost like. People are like, man, that's so nice of you, but it's selfish because it's like, well, I'm going to be gone a ton, yeah, and fucking, I'll let other people raise my kids. No big deal. That's,
0: I mean, I but was, it,
1: it's nice to have a support group. That's
0: great. Around, and yeah. and then, is it hard to get in and out of there?
1: Uh, it can be. Yeah, you know, sometimes I'll I, many I fly to Minneapolis a lot or Fargo, but the problem with Fargo is in the winter they're like, we're just going to deice the wings here and then fly out and you get to the runway and they're like we got to go back and deice the wing so you miss your connection in Minnesota, or in Minneapolis. I've missed my connection a lot from Fargo and really? but um, you know it's it's it keeps me grounded a little bit. I mean of course there are times if I want to get real like you know real personal and private about it. There are times where I sit and I look at the lists of festivals and I'm and I have my little pity parties. I'm like what the fuck are some of these guys doing at that festival? you know it's like oh i get it they're seen every night in la or new york and and they they go out and meet people and have drinks and i sit here in my little fucking shanty and <laughs> and uh and just cry into my beer about it but um but when i boil it down i think i'd rather have it the way i have it than my my grandpa told me one of the best things he goes the reason the grass is always greener on the other side is cuz they spend all year covering it in shit and I was like, "All right, that makes sense, I guess." <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I just kind of keep uh, keep my eye on my own bobber and not worry about who's at what festival. And and Minnesota works, you know. Yeah. Internet and airplanes have made it very doable.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it it it, it seems like a it seems like um, almost uh, like uh, like a th- a throwback career but you also get this like this real kind of like people are rooting for you like i I know for a fact i don't think like we comics talk shit about everybody but you're not someone anyone talks shit about like no one really talks shit about everyone just says oh he's fucking amazing you haven't seen him oh he's one of my favorite comics every club loves you because you have like this you have a you're not you're not a part of the system you're not a part of the you're doing it from an outsider's and if you're doing you're taking the load road less traveled
1: Yeah, and you know, the road more uh, more traveled is appealing. I came out here for a week. I had tried to get on premium blend on Comedy Central four years in a row, turned down all four years, sent in tapes, right? Come out here. I did one set at the Melrose Improv. It was a set no other comedian wanted to do because they brought this traveling high school through with foreigners. I love those. I looked at this girl in the front row who was talking, and I said, how old are you? She said, I'm 16. And I go, my God. You're so young. Your pussy probably still gets wet just from kissing. Place goes crazy. Everyone's like, "What the fuck? You can't say that because we were told to keep it clean." Yeah. yeah. And uh, and then from that, Aaron saw me, who was running the improv at the time. Yeah. They their company was doing um, live at Gotham. Yep. I didn't even have to send in a tape. I got into live at Gotham. Then the next year, through live at Gotham, I got the half hour special. So it was like from one thing I said, being in Hollywood one day, I got that whole progression started. So when you, when I think of that kind of stuff, I'm like, Oh shit, what have I missed out on? But I can flip it very easily and say, well, I get to go to band concerts and it sounds boring as shit, but it's, it's nice. It's a good, it's a good balance. I'll say
0: Aaron's uh one set, of mine. Erin has changed the life of a, of a lot of people. I believe that. And she, um, I remember the one thing that I did that made her laugh. Well, two, I had, this, I had this story that I'd never really, it was like kind of a rant that I got on that night about wanting to date a black chick, but it was like, I, but it was like really like, it was horrifically stereotypical, but it was fun. it's funny, but it's like I wanted to drive into her neighborhood with her brothers and cousins working out in the front yard, like one dude's in a wheelchair with a pacifier, and then they throw me on the hood of my car, and they're like, and then grandma comes out, she's like, Ray, Ray, get your hands off that boy, and he's like, walk home, grandma, ma, walk home, and it was this big, long rant, and then that I came up with on the fly, and Aaron's like, you gotta tell that all the time, and I was like, I don't even remember how it goes, and then that and my buddy had gotten cheated on that morning, and he had come to our house crying. My opening joke was just about that. I was like, my buddy came over crying today, and the only thing better than making people laugh is what, making people cry harder. It's cause I could just, <laughs> you just twist the screw, tighten it, yeah. and, it was like, and I was doing that to him all morning, and he, I could just get him to cry so easily. And in the middle of my set, he called, and I went, oh shit. I go, guys, this is the guy I was telling you about. I go, let me see if I can get him to cry. So I put him on speakerphone and I was like, hello? And he's like, hey. And everyone's like fucking holding onto their seats trying not to laugh. And it was like the greatest moment ever. And I go, how you doing? And he's like, it's a little rough. I go, have you talked to her? And he's like, no. I said, are you thinking about it? And he just fell apart and everyone fucking (laughs) lost their shit. And and Aaron was like, Aaron called me the next morning. She goes, you're going to work for the rest of your life. I'll make sure you're on the road. As long as I'm working, you'll have a job. I was like... Oh wow! Yeah, so I got 13 weeks that next day. She was like, "Don't ignore Barry Katz and take these offers. He's going to turn them down. Trust me. This is the best I can do for you. I will always try to get you the most money. This is the best I can do."
1: Holy shit!
0: Yeah, I got 13 weeks, and then I got next year. I had 25, and then now it's like, and how many how many weeks a year do you work?
1: Uh, I take the summer off.
0: The whole summer? Yeah, I which... take. I, I just started taking two weeks off in the summer.
1: I take the summer off. However, I can't do it anymore because I just was home. For a month and a half straight, and that doesn't work well with anybody. No. I just can't. I can't be in my house all day, every day for a month and a half straight with two children yeah. that are going at it. I need to have that balance of leaving. But uh, but otherwise, I work probably you know three three months or three weeks a month.
0: Yeah. And do you route it at all, or are you just like nope, I'm back, back home, and forth. Yep. Back home on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Yep. I, I, I
1: try my hardest not to be gone more than five days at a time.
0: R- really, yep. I just started canceling Sunday shows, and it it makes it makes the road yeah. so much do- more doable. Yeah, it's a world of difference. It really is. I did Friday Saturday one time. I was like, oh, I could do this for a living. Yeah, like I could really do this. Oh, absolutely.
1: I'm going to China in September, and I'll be gone for ten days, and that's like everyone's losing their shit about it because it's. What are you doing? Never, are you doing you
0: know, a club out there?
1: Yeah, it's the Hong Kong festival. I'm doing.
0: Do you do you? Would you like to do more festivals?
1: I would love to do more festivals. Only, and it's not like. Uh, It's just I have the most fun because there's comics everywhere. You're hanging out with fellow broken human beings instead of, you know, where I live is great. And I have friends from high school there and I'm not putting it down. But it is a bit much sometimes when girls will be like, oh, my God, you can use this. I drove home from Fargo in a truck with three guys. And I was like, and and like just make it funny. It's like, oh, fuck you fuck you. i could
0: never live in tampa and like all my friends it's so funny the way they see me as a, a an adult they just, it's just they don't even think i'm an adult right and it's the people i am closest with are all my friends with addiction problems yeah like we can really talk yeah because we have like dreams <laughs> <laughs> what uh what does um what like what's your like five-year plan like do you have do you look at your career that way um, I really haven't. I
1: This is embarrassing, but I wanted to be on TV before I was 30. That was my goal when I started comedy. And then I was on The Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson like, a couple months before I turned 30, and I was like, well, guess I'm done. <laughs> I mean,
0: that was my goal. <laughs> I wanted to be a millionaire before I was 35. That didn't happen. <laughs> I still would like to be a millionaire. I'd like to be a millionaire. I'd see what it's like.
1: I just think, I really do think P. Diddy had it right. Uh, more money, more problems.
0: I think I, I'm not comfortable. There's a lot of things I'm not comfortable with in this business. Money's not it. I don't mind taking people's money, and I don't mind compromising who I am for their money or or growing in a way to accommodate me making more money. I don't care about sure. that. Like when I first started at Travel Channel, they oh, Bert the Conqueror. It was mm-hmm. a predominantly a kids show, and they were like, they're like, you know, you need to be a little more cognizant of your digital footprint like what you tweeted. Now that seems like par of the course. Sure. This is back when Twitter was just starting and I was taking, literally posting pictures of me taking shits, <laughs> thinking, no, oh, that'll get some followers. <laughs> and uh, and I'm comfortable with the growth because there is a natural growth that I think most humans have but that comics aren't res- responsible for. Right. But having kids was like the big thing. It's like, like one of my favorite shows is getting, podcasts is uh, Getting Doug with High. And Doug texted me. He's like, "We well, want to do it? I was like, I can't. Like, I can't do that. I can't put that out there forever. Yeah, that my kids will see me. Like not that not that I'm a big pot guy, and you know at all. But I totally do it because I like the show. I think it's funny, but I don't want my kids to know that. Right. That they and and to know when I was ten and eight, Dad smoked pot with Doug. that Doug that we've met. He's a big pot guy. Right. Like all these things. Like they had Stanhope over for dinner one night. And it was like brilliant, but it was like there was like they got to meet him and hang out with him and he he taught them how to do spit takes. But it was like it was like uh like those moments are beautiful. I don't want like and I like them knowing comics and stuff, but I don't want I don't wanna I just don't wanna Fucking! You don't want them knowing the backstory of said comic. I don't want them to know that the Stanhope had an abortion and and he's really proud of it. Like I don't need them to know that information until they're like twenty five when they yeah. go with that. So wait, Uncle Doug, the guy that taught us how to do spit takes. He, he killed his mom. With well, at least when they're dealing with their first abortion. I'm like, yeah. yeah, like he killed his mom. We had dinner with that guy. He killed his mom. He was. But they, they had so much fun with them, and it was like. They still talking last night they were like, "We had dinner with my crew, and I was like, "You guys want to do spit takes?" and they are like, "Doug taught it to us, and that's awesome, uh, but those i mean i don't know, so you don't have I, I I always write goals every every year
1: i I would like to I would like to finish a pilot and pitch it across the board
0: like uh like what kind like would you
1: i, I would do I would do standard like a dark everybody loves Raymond I mean my act is basically set up for that, yeah um." And so I would like to just do it once so when I'm whittling on the porch when I'm 70, not have that floating through my head like, God, you didn't, you didn't even try. So that, I'd like to do that, and I'd like, to, uh, I'd like to just grassroots it enough to get more people into the show. I, would, I don't need everyone to be a fan. I need just 51%. So if shit goes down, we can take the
0: 49%. Yeah. What, uh, do you have any want-to-do theaters? Um, I would
1: I do like an intimate setting I mean when I recorded the uh, the special as is that I put on um, YouTube yeah. Lewis said that he could fill a theater for me with his mailing list and I said I'd rather do it at Acme because oh, it's fuck, so yeah. intimate and dark and it's tables and it's how comedy should be and when I was growing up that's how the comedy specials were. They were at the improvs. I mean, they were in clubs. Yeah. Because a theater, it's like you say something and then you have to wait for the wave of or hopefully wait for the wave of laughter and then but here it's like you can hear the individuals laughing in the club and I like They're that.
0: laughing on your feet. Yeah. Like yes. they're on your feet laughing. Yeah. And you don't have much room to walk around, so it's yep. like especially that club. That's one of the fucking greatest clubs. It really is. It really is. I wish that uh I mean, I wish I did it, but I, I already do a different club there that I have a lot of fun at. Okay. Rick Bronson's club. Yep. And I like Rick. I like his club in Edmonton's mm-hmm. You ever done his club in Edmonton? Yep. That's the greatest club in the fucking country. In the, in that country, obviously. But ever. I love that club. It is like fucking Thunderdome in that room. The low ceiling yep. fucking right there. And those Canadians have this. There's something about Canadians that make them like the best white people ever. So they're like, especially those Canadians, they have a ton of money. They're like right. real great sensibility. You can't offend them. They're big beer drinkers. Have you ever
1: done the Calgary, the comedy cave in Calgary?
0: No. Okay.
1: That'll change your mind on white Canadians quickly. Oh,
0: really? Yeah. Someone told me Winnipeg. Someone's oh, like...
1: I love Winnipeg. Really? Ru- rumors in Winnipeg, I love. And I, I hate to, to... I'm just going to shit on Calgary, not the club, because yeah. Jack, the owner of the club, is an amazing guy. But I did... Tuesday through Sunday, and it was – I got almost zero laughter the whole week. Yeah. And it was insane because <laughs> there was a, a, a listener appreciation for a radio show where it was free tickets, free buffet, so no value to the show.
0: People were talking. <laughs> free tickets, free buffet, and, this- and you get a shotgun. <laughs>
1: yeah. And this woman would not stop. I'd say something like, We're in St. Louis. And she goes, We're not in St. Louis. And I go, You need to understand, I'm painting a picture, right? So I'm getting mad. Yeah. And so finally, I, I look at her husband. I go, Can you shut her? Can you do anything to shut her up? And he stands up and he goes, uh, He goes, You want me to come up there and touch you? And I go, Being knocked out would be so much better than having to listen to your twat wife. <laughs> and then all hell breaks loose, right? So he tries to come up. <laughs> I set the mic down and I get ready to get thumped because I'm a puss. I have already said that. And then they they go, we're leaving. But the problem is there's only one credit card machine and it's in back. So they have to wait back there for 15 minutes to get their shit after they're leaving. right? Yeah. So she leaves and this is horrible, but I lost my mind. And she goes, she yells back at me and says, you, you don't like me. And I go, that's not true. I say, I do like you. And I like you so much. I will accompany you home tonight and explain to your three children that they're rape babies. And now, because I, I was so mad at the whole week, right? Oh. So the, the hotel's attached to the club. Holy shit. <laughs> I storm out of the club what, after I'm, I'm done. And the, the woman working the front desk, she goes, are you Chad Daniels? And I go, yeah. And she goes, just so you know, there's three people looking for you. They just, they asked for you and then just walked by the desk and I go, oh, that's good because this couple was just two people. So that means they've called in the murderer or whatever. (laughs) And so I'm like fucking spy games looking around corners and taking stairs instead of elevators to get to my room. It was insane. But Now,
0: now are you like me? Like, do you then wake up the next morning and regret what you said or do you go, fuck it? She deserved it. Well,
1: I'm never a huge fan of saying rape babies. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but I just lost my mind. Because earlier in the week, the MC, it wasn't the normal MC, but I said something about you guys have a queen, so it's different. And then this guy comes back on stage and he goes, fucking stupid Americans. We don't have a queen. What an idiot. All this shit, right? So I go online. I feel dumb. And I go online and I find out they do have a queen because a treaty was signed in the 70s that said the queen will always be the queen even though she doesn't have power there. Yeah. Yeah. And so I went on stage and I called the MC up at the end of my set and I took out what I'd printed off the internet and I read it all to him and I set it up beforehand. I go, this guy, you know, made fun of me last night for thinking there was a queen and I get it. I'm a dumb American. Then I read it and then uh, I put it back in my pocket and I go, looks like you guys do have a queen. Then I took out a $20 bill and I licked it because the the center of their money is like a a plasticky type of thing. And I stuck it to his forehead, and I go, "She's on your fucking money," and I walked off stage again. So that was the beginning of my week. That was the first two days of my week, and then the She's next night, on
0: your money.
1: This next night, this lady, we're not in St. Louis, and I just fucking had a mini stroke.
0: <laughs> those, it's, those are my favorite mini strokes too, because where you've it's been building up, and yeah. you, and someone doesn't. I have a. I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I've only I've only kicked one person out of a show once in my entire career. I've only had a confrontation that went bad once, and it was because this. It was like it was like you can't. I don't. And this it was a black chick in Kansas City, and she was with the fucking white girl, and I was making fun of the guy in front of him. because he had a mullet, and everyone was comfortable making fun of the mullet, including the guy with the mullet. He's like, I know this is gonna happen. I'm in the front row comedy <laughs> show. I got a mullet, and and halfway into making a couple jokes, I went, oh, This isn't really fair. This guy's got a mullet, and clearly, he's you know and he likes his hairstyle. And this and this black chick behind her had like this huge afro, like it was like I mean it was like it was like uh, and she, and when I said I said something and she said something derogatory about this white guy in front of her. I go, calm down, Macy Gray. I see you. Okay, you're next. <laughs> and she got fucking pissed. And she, and then and then she called me a racist. And I was like, and that 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 is my trigger word. Where I go. I didn't say anything racist. I said, you have big hair like me. I didn't say, like, There's, you cannot find racism in anything I've said so far. And I said, uh, you probably date a white guy, don't you? And she was like, I do. And he'll fuck you up. And I was like, nope, because I know what your white guy looks like. I go, he's small, his clothes are too big for him, and he used to get the shit kicked out of him every single fucking day. I go, he looks like a miniature M&M, like mini M&Ms. <laughs> and, she, and everyone lost it, and her friend fucking lost it, because apparently I was right. And her friends like that's what he looks like. That's what he's look. I go five, five? and then her friends like 5'5". five. Yes, five, eight, five, five. <laughs> I go. I'm not scared of that little punk ass fake. Bo-. And she got up and then started recruiting white people to leave. <laughs> She's like, he's a racist, and if you're a racist, you stay in here. And I was like, get the fuck out, bitch. And I was like, and then as soon as I called her a bitch, everyone was like, I'm on her team. My yeah. favorite, my favorite one of those is DePaulo. Did you ever hear DiPaolo's one? Uh huh. And by the way, I love Nick DePaulo, so I don't I hope no one thinks I'm shitting on Nick at all. And, and by the way, in comedy, these are like our favorite things to talk about. Yeah, oh, it's absolutely. When, it's when you watch people lose their cool as a comic.
1: Well, right, because like David Tell was saying earlier with that story, anyone we can see our friends kill whenever we want. Yeah. But to watch them step out of that and just snap for a second is the best. Yeah, for us.
0: And I guess I guess I don't know. I'm certain that in Apollo's story, they deserved whatever got, they got coming to them. But the way I heard it was, it was like the third bachelorette party of the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and bachelorette parties have this entitlement. It's like, it's like I don't know. I'm not going to say it's women because it's men do it too. But like, definitely at bachelorette parties, it is not about that comic. It is about them having the greatest night Absolutely. for this girl. And they don't care if they ruin it for everyone. And I guess... Fucking DePaulo had it, and he's like, Honey, <laughs> I hope tomorrow when you go to put on your deodorant, you find a lump. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and and um, apparently, they he not only had to get off stage immediately because people were trying to attack him, but they couldn't get him out of the club. Like, people were fucking waiting for him. Oh, my God. And, I mean, it's just one of those stories where you're like, I fucking... You know for a fact the feature and the host were like sitting at the bar going this is the greatest night ever. <laughs> yes. We get to watch Apollo lose it. But like and and so I, I don't know. I don't I'd love to hear his side of how that went down, but like but I I mean That's I with, insane. Those stories are my, are you always your favorite?
1: Do you know Robert Duchesne? No. He's uh I think he started in San Francisco, but we were co-headlining down at the uh, some casino in Santa Fe and it is uh, tons of Hispanic dudes and Native American people, and they hated me from the get-go. This is, again, thin, tight shirt, Yeah, wanted nothing to do with me. So I called a couple guys. I go, guys. Uh, I go, hey, you guys missed some buttons because a couple of the Hispanic guys only had their top button buttoned. <laughs> yeah. And I go, you guys missed a couple of buttons on the way up, and they were <laughs> super pissed. And I go, uh, and then this Native American woman started chirping at me, not the, the prettiest thing I'd ever seen. So I said, uh, hey, if Disney would have come through here, they never would have drawn Pocahontas all skinny and cute and shit. (laughs) So the place goes fucking bonkers. I have to call security and they have to escort me to my room. And one of the security guards is Native American. And he goes, you know, I hate having to do this. I wish I could have left you there, but this is my job. And I was like, that seems awesome. (laughs) So I get fucking escorted to my room and then just wait. Just like I'm just the in knock. the corner of my room waiting to get murdered. <laughs> oh, it was, that happens. But it happens. You know, sometimes you lose your shit, and, it-
0: and sometimes what I don't think people understand is that they go. You, we're telling you like the horror stories, but sometimes it happens, and it really fucking works. And 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 everyone's like, you right. took a chance, and it's one of the funniest things, right. Ever. I, I'm sure I've told this before, but like I was at the first time I was at the Fort Lauderdale Improv. It's on an Indian reservation. Mm-hmm. I was not aware of that. I mean, I was aware of it, but I didn't realize. The importance or the significance of that maybe it wasn't imparted to me, <laughs> and so I, and and you're in a room that all the rooms look alike, kind of. So you're in the, you're in the comedy club. You not you're not thinking like I'm on an right. Indian reservation, right? And so I'm messing around with these black chicks and these Puerto Rican chicks to the left of the table of the stage, and they're both sitting at tables next adjacent tables, and they're loving me, and I'm taking hardcore chances with them, and they're it's paying off, and we're all laughing, and then. Uh, and I bought them a round of drinks, and then this Indian chick, the Native American chick, goes, uh, "How she's hammered? How about you? Drive? buy me a drink, buy me a shot, buy me a shot." And I'm like, "I go, well, are you are you are you black or Puerto Rican?" She goes, "I'm Native American." So I go, "Okay, will someone get her a tuberculosis shot?" And the fucking place <laughs> loses it, laughing because it's predominantly black people and, and <laughs> Cuban people and. And then the black chick goes, "Kick her out of the club." And I go, "Don't you? Didn't you read your history books? Just go take her seat. Someone take her seat, and then take this next seat. She said, until she's out of the room. I'm on a fucking Indian reservation. The whole take a seat is the reason we're at this one fucking location. And so I, I and then and then I was met by a group of elders. No, oh no, dear. No, no, it was. It didn't. Oh, it, okay. it, didn't grow, it was. It was fine. But like, but you forget. And then once you then, then now it, now, you, now you can't even take chances like that because someone videotapes it and take it's out of context. Right,
1: absolutely. And
0: you're like, motherfucker. But. Oh, that's really funny. My favorite one. I told this, I'll, I'll tell, but I'll, I'm not going to tell because I told on Stan Hope's. But Stan Hope has a really great comeback to someone who didn't like their show, his show. He, he basically said, Yeah, I was offended by the material the club asked me to present that evening, too. He wrote back to them <laughs> and they're like, What? He's like, Yeah, the club writes all our material. I didn't want to do that stuff like the club did it. So complain about the club, Call the Better Business Bureau. That's the set they made me read.
1: Oh my god, that's like, so funny. A fucking
0: genius. That's oh, so fucking funny. genius. <laughs> so do you think do you think you'll like uh do you think you'll always stay in Minnesota? Uh
1: well, no. I don't I don't think so. I think uh I told my daughter, she's the youngest, she's 10 and I said, "When you move your tassel across your graduation cap, people are going to look up. That's because there's a helicopter landing on the roof to take me out of this piece of shit." But <laughs> But until she graduates, I will be there, yeah. she has
0: got eight more years. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> what, what, uh, how often do you come out to L.A. or New York?
1: Um, I come out to L.A. Well, I try to get out th- two, three times a year, but uh, it'll be more now. I've actually scheduled it so I can come out uh, for a week every two months.
0: Yeah. Just
1: because I kind of want to – got a lot of buddies out here, and it's, it's, it's fun to be out
0: here. Who's your group of guys? Like guys you started with or guys that you are like your group of friends?
1: uh well Ian Bag no. uh Eddie Gosling, yeah uh G- David Huntsberger Chris Fairbanks Tommy Jonigan uh ton- I mean do ever, I just do you ever feel like I kind of different... just sit back and Dan I go Dan Cummins
0: I go yeah I yeah I know Dan I know Dan really well i uh, not really well Dan's like hum, hum, we got drunk <laughs> once um I uh that's all, by the way, that's a, that is a cross-section of the group of guys that were like Midwest comics in like early 2000s, through the early 2000s, that were murdering it on the road that you'd work with and you'd be like, fuck, I'm not writing enough. It's mm-hmm. like a great, it's all Bob and Tom guys kind of, really.
1: Yeah, tons of, tons of that, absolutely. And it's just guys that, that I met on the road became fans of their comedy and then hung out so much that, that we became good buddies. So.
0: Tommy Jonigan has one of my favorite he made me laugh so hard one time eating lunch. That's another thing that like Midwest comics will do. They'll be like, "Oh, we're in close towns. Why don't we go have lunch together?" Yeah, and, and uh, L.A. comics don't do that. We barely hang out with our the comics we're with. <laughs> we're like, ah. Uh. But Tommy, it was like during when the first Iraq War, I want to say, or the second Iraq War, and we were going, and everyone's like. Tommy's like, I'm so sick of giving it up for the troops. He's like, but he's not, he's not doing a bit. He's just telling me, he's like, you know, they're not all good people, Bert. <laughs> I go, what? And he goes, my cousin's in the military. Do you know why he's in the military? He fucking killed somebody. <laughs> he goes, it was either go to the military or go to jail. Bert, I'm not giving it up for him. And I could not stop laughing because it's Tommy. But it's Tommy in like that, like over like panic, like, like, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And not stop laughing!
1: Oh God damn. Yeah, he's a funny kid.
0: He makes me, he makes me laugh, and and his you guys are all TV friendly too. I think that's from doing Bob and Tom. You guys learned how to be clean and write clean material. Sure. Where I think LA comics just get lazy, and we're like the road isn't that where we talk about pussy? <laughs> um, but it's so funny. Most L, I mean all LA comics always wonder how do you get on the road? Sure. And it's like I had TV credits before I had road credits. Like oh I had, wow! Like I'd done so much more TV than I'd done any of The Road. I was still That's featuring, crazy. and I'd had like i had my own TV show a few times. I remember Daniel Tosh going like, you're the most, cre-. he had no credits. He had no credits, and I had all the credits. You've yep. seen him on uh, FX, on Fox, on this, on that. Put your hands together for Bert Kreischer, your headliner. He's been on Comedy Central. Daniel Tosh. And yeah. Tosh was like, you have more credits than any fucking feature in the world. <laughs> but Gary Goldman and I were like, how the fuck do you get on The Road? And you seem to do it the regular way, where you get on the road, you you become a nationally touring headliner, and then you go. All right, now I'm ready for everyone to see what I can do. Sure, in an hour capacity.
1: Yeah, I, it uh, it just worked out that way. That wasn't my master plan. I mean, it started off you MC a good club, and then you're featuring one nighters, and then when you get your feature set tight enough from one nighters, you start featuring the club and start headlining one nighters and get your shit together. Then the one, it's almost like one nighters are practice practice rounds, which yeah. is crazy because out here. You'll you'll do in L.A. You'll do shows at a bar, and that's like, that's like the show. There's tons of good guys on it. But in the Midwest, when you do a show at a bar, that's considered like a C-level, D-level type room, and it's a it's a practice room, yeah, basically. Because people are pissed off, you turn the football game off, and you still have to do comedy. So it's like, it's you know, when when uh, Mister Miyagi was teaching Daniel LaRusso karate, tricking him by having him stand on the floor. And you have to deal with all that bullshit in the one-nighters. And then you get to a club and you're like, oh, okay. Now I know why it works that way.
0: Yeah. So it's uh, Do you do sets out here when you come out? I do. Yep. Improv?
1: I do the improv. Um, I've done uh, – God, I can't even remember. Is it Flappers? Yeah, and Flappers over here? is a great yep. club.
0: Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs>
1: oh, fuck. <laughs> I have I'm a so show rough. tonight. Damn it.
0: No, I have a show tomorrow night and i was, I got to cancel. Um,
1: yeah, and then I just do – I send out a feeler on Twitter just – And see if people have shows going on that need a spot
0: filled. uh, And so when do you head back?
1: Wednesday. So I go – I tape at midnight tomorrow and then leave Wednesday morning, get home because I have to fly into Minneapolis at 6.30 I land, three hours drive home. So I get home at 9.30, pack my shit, and I go up to the Boundary Waters at noon on Thursday to go camping for uh, a week. With the kids? With my son, yeah.
0: Just you and your son?
1: Yep. We go uh we go canoeing because there's no motorized vehicles allowed in this chain of lakes. It's a chain of lakes that it's huge, and Minnesota and Canada shares it. And you canoe through and find cap sites and fish and
0: swim and Really? Yeah. Just
1: you and your son? Uh yeah, we're going with uh another dad and then three other kids.
0: So and then and you guys are up there for a week? Yeah, we'll be up there for a week. You're yeah. sleeping on the ground for a week?
1: Yeah, well, you have mats, but yes. Oh my God, not not a bed, yeah.
0: Now, do you are you are you the kind of dad that does that and just like, oh, I don't need beer for that, or do you get dad that brings like a cooler of beer?
1: No, I don't bring beer because it's you have to carry all your shit. I mean, you so carry you all your th- food and all of your stuff. The whole oh, week. really because you have to when you're canoeing. There's portages where the lakes aren't connected, so you have to get up and hike like a mile with the canoe and the Duluth pack, motherfucker, and then put it in another lake
0: and go. Holy shit, so it's like a hardcore... That's the real deal. You'll come out skinnier.
1: Well, I don't know about that. I mean, we bring a lot of food, but...
0: But what do you do to go to sleep at night?
1: Uh, You're tired. You're tired from canoeing and and hiking, so...
0: Wow, that's great. Yeah. And how come come your wife and daughter don't go?
1: They're not welcome. (laughs) I don't need... (laughs) I already have the potential of four boys bitching and moaning, so I don't need... We're just going to stay here. Yeah, that's what I need. I need my family to get attacked by a bear when I'm not there to Oh, do you have, do you bring a gun? No gun, but you just have to be smart. You have to put you have to tie up your food and
0: cuz bears are a legit fear. Yeah, they're black bears though. They're not grizzlies. So they're not are they does that mean
1: Well, black bears aren't nearly as aggressive as grizzlies. So you just have to kind of know not to you don't you don't camp by bushes with berries on them you don't have sweets if anything is smellable like if you put a gatorade pack in your water to mix it up to have it taste better that bottle has to go up in the tree with all this you can't have any smellables there. where called. did you learn that just uh camping when i was younger
0: really huh? i've never really camped like that
1: it's a blast because it's it's legitimate like shit in a hole cover it up no trace camping where when you look around the campsite no one should be able to tell you were there really so you bring all your stuff in take it all
0: out with you yeah it's
1: pretty it's pretty fun i mean it's really fun to get home and take a shower too but it's nice while you're there for a week
0: and so are you and your son as your has your son turned the corner of being a teenager or is he still like a little boy
1: both there are signs where he's a teenager but there are other signs like he you know he could be in driver's training right now he's old enough um but he says stuff like Oh, you know, if a train's coming, I just try to beat it with my car. And I'm like, "Well, you're never going to get your license talking like that." <laughs> I just so. try to beat it. Yeah, I'll just, you know, just hammer it down, try to I've <laughs> driven a golf cart, so I'm pretty good at it.
0: I was that mentality. I love a little boys about to be a man, like the owning the responsibility of being a grown-up, but you still have the fucking mind of a child. Right. Yes. When I was when, right when I was 15 years old, I was just started to Practice driving with my, you know, my dad, and the car, I'd, and I drive, and I was like, and I was really obsessed with waving people into traffic, and <laughs> I remember we were driving back from a Bucks game, and I was sit, I was sitting shotgun and my dad's driving, and I waved someone <laughs> into traffic. I go, I'm like, we're we're on on uh, Himes, not on, or no, we're on Hillsborough, and the guy's sitting there, and, and I and we're stopped, and I waved him in, and the guy goes, thanks. <laughs> my dad goes, the fuck are you doing? I go, I was letting the guy in. And he goes, that's I do that. You don't do that. I wave people in. He's like, you don't have to wave people in. I was like, I can't just wave. And he goes, no, you're not driving. But I remember that so like being like, oh, I guess, I, uh, good call. Maybe I won't wave.
1: Did you have to put like, st- sorry, stay there. Sorry. I'm getting he, yelled at.
0: He makes the call. You,
1: It's him, not... You love how many how many motions I'm doing on a yeah, podcast. Yeah, right. I, I, I wish there was a video. You guys should have seen it. It was really in I was detail. Could have
0: videotape, but I'm fucking. It's too much work for me. <laughs> so um, that's so cool, man. That you're gonna get to spend time with your kids like that. I don't ever see my fucking kids. If you got a show, if you could have a show on Travel Channel, what, what would you want your show to be?
1: Oh boy.
0: Or you could have it on DIY or food or cooking. Well, I think here, here's a, if, here's if a
1: show be, that I'd love to do, and I probably shouldn't say it on here, but. Uh, Luckily no one listens I have an idea Where what I would love to do Called second hand homes Where you go in And it's a It's a fixer upper deal Yeah Or a second chance homes Excuse me So it's a fixer upper But you also take guys That are in halfway houses And have them come in To do the work So they learn a skill They learn drywalling Or plumbing Or whatever And then when you When you flip the house they get a little bit of that money for like a nest egg to start over. Yeah. And then they've learned a skill because I was reading somewhere that the majority of felons that get hired are hired into construction type situations. So if they can learn that skill, then they have like something to do instead of fucking, you know, murdering people or whatever they were in jail yeah. for.
0: Yeah, that would, yeah, that would be – I always want to do – I always think about doing stuff with like – Fucking helping people, but then I just get lazy. <laughs> like, uh, I, uh, whatever. What about you? If you because I believe that I believe I could, I believe I could help comics get on Travel Channel, but sure. and and help them figure out how to be themselves and funny on the network and work on the network. So I always want to try. I'm always trying to get people, like people like you. I tried to. I tried to. I don't know if you ever saw this. Like drunk one night, I tried to connect you and Andrew Zimmern. To together on Twitter, I was tweeting both of you, saying Andrew, you need to check him out. He's performing in Minnesota, Minneapolis this week, and oh. I I tried to. I, you know what's weird? I
1: thought Andrew Zimmer was trying to get us connected. I must have been drunk too. That are now. you serious? <laughs> I think so. No, that
0: was me trying to get you two connected. Because
1: so many people, so many people have tweeted me about this
0: podcast. Really, like
1: what the fuck. When are you going to be on this podcast? You guys would be so funny together. We're
0: very similar people. And I, and like hanging out with you, we're like very similar. Like, do you still drink beer? I do. Yeah, yeah. We should yeah. do a tour, just like uh, two dads. Oh, that would be the just best. Just fucking, and but then you can. T- because the thing about being a dad is that you're not just you're talking about all your experiences throughout life that have helped form you and how you raise a child. So you yeah. can you don't you don't have to just be like like when they do like funny mom tours, it's all mom shit but dads are i guess cuz they're men they're allowed to talk about whatever the sure. fuck they want to talk about yeah
1: yeah yeah that's true i think my travel channel show would be me camping with my kids would be great. in different places because i spaz i'm like a dad where everything has to be perfect and if it isn't i think the whole thing's ruined i was at really? a pi- i was at a picnic one time and the the blanket we were having the picnic on blew over into some food got just one little piece of food dirty, and then got the blanket dirty, and I was like, God damn it! And I bet you my kids will never go on a picnic again. They're just like, well, my daughter will have some romantic guy like, want to go on a picnic? She's like, no, oh, no, they're thanks. the scariest things in the world. So cold, so cold. <laughs> the Food gets dirty, and oh my God, don't touch me there.
0: I'd love to see it camping. I, my whole goal now is to, is to come up with the name of the show first, and then pitch it. Because <laughs> what you can do I believe this I've done this before uh, If you pitch the name of the show And they think the name is sellable Then sometimes they will write the show In their head that they want And then pitch that to you oh, And wow. then you can say yes <laughs> It happened with Hurt Burt wow. We said we were in a room And they were like I, We had a tape of something we were going to show That was going to be like the or Or like start the pitch And the guy, Kevin Riley was like, uh, is this Hurt Burt? Are you guys pitching Hurt Burt? It was a name of a show I had done before. And uh, we were like, and he's like, because if it's Hurt Burt, I'll buy six episodes. And Marty Hawkman's like, it is Hurt Burt. And (laughs) and she's like, what do you see the show as? He goes, Burt just gets hurt, taking jobs, doing dangerous jobs. He just gets hurt. She's like, that's the show we're pitching. And he's like, I'll buy it. Holy shit. Yeah. That's uh, amazing. Yeah. But if you can come up with a really good show. I name sometimes, yeah. then they figure it out in their head quick, and they're like, "Like I pitched, so funny, a long time ago. I was with Louis Anderson, and I pitched this idea in the room, but the name had the name was better than the idea. So I pitched the name. Barry Katz is in there. And I'm not saying I'm not, I'm not shitting on anybody, but this is exactly how it went down. It's so me, this guy Abraham, this guy and Louis C, Louis not C.K. Did I say Louis C.K.?
1: No, you said Louis Anderson.
0: Louis Anderson, Louis Anderson, and Barry Katz. And I said. They wanted to do a dating game show, and I said, I think we should do a show called The Wingman, where I, and I pitched it like I am the wingman, so when the guy is on the date, he goes to the surf school, I'm the surf instructor, so I just make him look like a stud. When he goes out to dinner, I'm the maitre d. am the waiter, um, and I am putting on different costumes and outfits, but I said, it's called The Wingman, that's all Barry heard, and Barry was like, I like that, what if you are the surf instructor? And Louis Louis Edison looked at me and goes, Is he doing this? And I go, I think so. It's <laughs> like I you could be like you can set him up to look amazing. Like you're the waiter. You're the wait and we take him on all these different dates and you're changing. And Louis Edison goes, I think that's what he just pitched and Barry goes, I like this idea a lot. <laughs> and so so Barry like I mean you know it it came up in the room but you know Barry's like I I I think I got a this is a gold mine in my head. <laughs> and <Louis laughs> Anderson's like as long as we're all on the same page and then uh, and then we shot the sizzle but the sizzle didn't it was such a good fucking sizzle but it didn't it didn't work. Didn't take. it didn't it Louis stopped working with Barry. Barry it, it was just got convoluted. Oh, okay. And it was initially Louis idea of how to make the show and we shot that and then it was a very long story but it was a great fucking
1: sometimes like I I don't I haven't pitched a ton but I went on a lot of auditions before and when I was younger I was like 28 and they'd send me in for young good looking which drove me crazy because it wasn't right so I'd go in and I went into this one time and I, I got the breakdown and it was 30 years old Midwestern father Right? Yeah. Me. Yeah. But they didn't send me in for that. They sent me in for young, good looking. And I was furious because I get in there and there's all these Abercrombie and Fitch models, right? So I walk in and they're looking at me like, what the fuck are you doing here? Kind of a thing. <laughs> and so I go, uh, I go, hey, you guys, my name's Chad from Craft uh, Services, just want to let you know we are sorry that uh, the audition is running long today. Please be patient. You will get in there. But until then, I'm just going to take some food orders. Very simple. We have a ham sandwich, a turkey sandwich, uh, nacho cheese Doritos, Cool Ranch Doritos. Any combination of those will work. Go ahead and I'm going to start writing them down. So everyone's telling me their food order, right? And then I leave... And just drive home. I don't even go into the audition. Yeah. And I'm, the whole way back home, I'm just giggling to myself thinking, all those fucking dudes think that they have a sandwich and chips coming <laughs> and they're going to just wait there for food. Yeah. And I just laughed. And I, I, even afterwards, I was getting a beer with my buddy. And I was just thinking, I wonder if guys are still waiting. Like I just thought it was the greatest move. Such an asshole thing to do.
0: I had such a great audition one time. It was for Carl's Jr. I love Carl's Jr.'s $5 burger. They used to have the $5 burger. Yep. It was my favorite burger ever. And I went into Carl's. I went into the audition. It was a Carl's Jr. commercial, and you had to eat a $5 burger in 30 seconds. Like That was the goal is, can you eat it in 30 seconds? And so I went in, and they were like, oh, the commercial's been canceled. And I go, do you guys still have the burgers? And they're like, <laughs> Like, yeah, we do. I go, "Can I get some of those burgers?" And they're like, Well, we have like fucking 40 of them." I go, "I'll will t- take like 5." And I brought five burgers home and I fucking wolfed them down. I love carl's Jr.'s burgers. They're like like 2,000 calories though. That's so funny. Yeah. So, okay, so uh what would be the perfect uh, we'll wrap this up. I I know you have a busy day. But what would be the perfect tour in your opinion? Name 3 dudes who would be on your tour. You that you'd love to tour with. It doesn't have to be like It it doesn't have just three dudes that you're friends that you'd love to go on a tour with.
1: Okay. Can it...
0: uh, And it can be a woman, too. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, ladies. I'm sorry. I'm fucking just... No! I'm so misogynistic. I'm like, four dudes. Four dudes. Because that's how I see see comics sometimes. But I forget there are amazing... Well, John and
1: Cummins and I have talked about this for years. Yeah. So I think they'd be on the list for sure. Yeah. Um, And then... uh, You know, I... I would like to work with you. Yeah. Because I think it would be I've heard story I mean people will bring up that's almost like uh, the serving staff will have a war back and forth. Like, remember when Daniels went to the Ohio State Michigan game and got lost, and there were three shows on Saturday, and he was wasted when he got here for the first one. Then almost started the condo on fire making soup, and then came back. Right, and then they'll do that whole thing, and they're like, "Remember when Kreischer like uh, shaves his pubes and leaves them all over the bathroom, and then leaves Telemundo on, yeah, to make it seem like for the for the." <laughs> for, <That's surreal. laughs> for the cleaning staff and it like goes back and forth yeah. and so i was like i gotta work with that guy one time and it's in omaha yeah they'll, they'll they'll have conversations back and forth about stories about us and so i i would like to get on the road with you at least once shit it might kill us oh that's what makes me nervous as fuck but uh yeah but that but then i've worked i've worked with most of the guys that i'd but i'd like to do but i think um i think johnigan and and cummins and uh you know I should have thought about this earlier, but Robert Hawkins. Oh, he's like, he's is, one of those guys. legendary. He's actually an inspiration.
0: He, not, I'm not taking credit for anything, but you, if you listen to Robert Hawkins' WTF, the reason he did, the, the reason Mark asked him to do it was because I ran into Mark at the airport. Okay. And he, I was like, and this was at the very beginning of WTF. And what I'm, I mean, like, and Maron's, like, I go, hey, I love the podcast. I'm loving it. And he's like, oh, thanks. He's like, give me some, you know, who are some guys you want to hear on it? And I go, i got to be honest with you, I want to hear Robert Hawkins. And he's like, really? I said, well, yeah, I love when you talk to like guys on the road, road comics, like guys mm-hmm. who the road respects and all the comics on the road respect because you have a respect for that as well. Like Those are my yep. favorite ones. Yep. And he was like, interesting. So I'm listening to the intro of him with Robert Hawkins, and he goes, you know why you're here? And he's like, no. And he goes, I ran into Bert Kreiser at the airport. And he's like, I want, I want to hear you talk to Hawkins. So you can thank fucking Chrysler. And Hawkins is like, I don't even know him. <laughs> He's like, but thanks, Chrysler. But, it was, but like, he was one of the guys. Like, that Tommy was, Tommy was a, real, a real influence to me because working with him really kind of changed my perspective of, of dudes on the road. Like, yeah. there, there was this concept that LA Comics had that we were better than everybody. And that you were lucky to have us because sure. we were so talented. Because we lived in LA. Or New York. Or New York. And those are the hardest crowds. Let's be honest, Everybody. So like you go on the road, and then I worked with Tommy and Penguins, and I was like, uh... and he was like, really, really young looking, and he yeah. went up and he destroyed. And I was like, oh fuck! I remember the joke he had. Um, he had an ugly stripper. He had an ugly stripper, and he's like, and she was like trying to dance with him, and he was, and she was like, what, would, what would you like me to take off? And he goes, how about my glasses? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so I remember being like, that's a fucking, it, it was so good. And I came up to him afterwards and he wasn't drinking at the time. Right. He had one crazy story in his life that I won't share because I'm sure he wouldn't want me to share. But yeah. it was like, the, like one crazy story that he was like, but he was like pretty low key. And then, uh, and he was like, oh, there's a lot of, and we had lunch every day. And he's like, there's a lot of comics you need to see. He's like, there's like, he's like, have you ever watched Emo Phillips? I was like, no. And he goes, Emo Phillips is a fucking amazing comedian. Yeah. You need to watch him. Absolutely. So I was like, okay. So I fucking went out, sought out Emo Phillips on the road. I worked a weekend with him just so I could watch him work. Like, oh, it was wow. in Atlanta. It was in Atlanta. I was headlining, and they were opening a club, and Emo was there, and I was there doing something else. And they're like, do you want to come in and do a show with Emo? I was like, 100%. But tell him I'm a fan, and I want to hang out afterwards. And they're like, okay, so Emo Phillips and I had lunch at the Vortex or dinner at the Vortex, and we just talked all night long. Oh wow! About comedy, Hawkins is one of them. Um, I mean, there's a bunch. I mean, it's the only reason that you know.
1: Yeah, I. Tommy came up to me at the St. Louis Funny Bone. He wasn't working with me; He was just starting comedy. And he goes, "Hey, you know, I, I came out because I'm I'm a fan. I like watching you work." And I was like, "Oh, that's nice. That's very nice." Of you. And then uh, then he worked with me. He opened for me in St. Louis. And then cut to about eight years later, I got an email that said, uh, Hey, saw a clip of you online. Uh, you really remind me of Tommy Jonigan. again. Um, maybe if you work hard enough, you can get to, to get to where he is. And I was like, what a kick in the dick that is. <laughs> <laughs> just like, hey, I really like your style too, just fucking on a rocket ship. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: he, was, he, he really kind of, I remember watching his Letterman sets going like,
1: fuck, like what
0: am I doing wrong?
1: His first Letterman set—you can hear Letterman pounding on the desk. Yeah, it is incredible.
0: He's just amazing. I, I, I want to have him on the podcast, but I—I I never. He's got a kid.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just so, hung out with him last night. We're going to hang out later tonight too. But what are you guys doing tonight? Um, probably going to go. Uh, we got a friend in town taping midnight tonight, oh. Phil Hanley, and then we're going to go uh, hang out and just get a drink afterwards.
0: Where are you guys going to get a drink? I'm Where's Tommy sure. lives? He live out here or over he in lives, there? He um, lives on the Miracle Mile. Oh, does he really? Yep. That's where I used to live when I was a young father. In that neighborhood, yeah. Yeah, I lived on Detroit Street. Okay. Um, nice. Well, maybe I'll fucking tag along. and. I'll show you a like, text I'm, where we're going to be for sure. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm trying not to drink this week. Sure, that sounds stupid. But I had a pretty fucking, I charged it pretty hard this weekend. Okay. Uh, I've been doing that a lot lately. It's like <laughs> I'm sober all week. And then I get fucking the wheels come off. Yeah. When I'm like, all right, time to have a few cocktails. Oh, my God. And I'm like,
1: here we go. Yeah.
0: Uh, but I wrote a good joke about it. I was like, uh, do you ever think you get – that? you ever wake up and you're like, wow, did I get so drunk that I blacked out and searched out and found roasted beets last night to eat? Or am I shitting blood? <laughs> 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 let's hope I'm an ingenuitive drunk. Um, uh, well, awesome, man. What I, I'll let you – I know you got a busy day. I really appreciate you doing this. Oh, and thanks for having me. I'm
1: telling you, Twitter – People that follow the both of us are going to love it because I got Ooh. hammered, absolutely hammered by, uh, by people on Twitter talking about, you got to do this podcast. What is wrong with you?
0: Let's do this. This is how fucking quick this – let's see if we can tweet to anyone if they have a question they want to ask you.
1: Okay, absolutely.
0: Let's see if this happens.
1: I'll tell the story while you're doing it. Tell me it's the story. A, it's a Hawkins story. So we're at, the, uh, we're at the Rooftop Comedy Festival in Aspen, right?
0: Yeah, Andy Smith. That's all I yeah. think when I think of rooftop.
1: Yeah, uh, she was hosting my show. I, I fell apart on the show because i have been walking around all week. And I'm going, hey, every, hey, how are you? And no one would say hello to me, not one person. Yeah. So I get up there and I go, hey, everybody. And it's silence. And I just fucking snapped on Aspen as hard as I could. And so, uh, so Hawkins goes up and he goes, uh, the lady keeps turning the light on. She's a volunteer in the theater. She keeps lighting him. But he doesn't know it's an old lady. She's like almost a hundred, and he goes, he goes. The next time you light me, you better be willing to come down here and suck this dick. <laughs> and I, I, fall out of my seat. I'm he laughing so hard. was an old lady. And then yeah, he has no idea. So then I, I get off stage and I go, wow, that was harsh. And he goes, try to beat that snap. And then I lose my shit the next night, the last show of the festival. And he goes, you got me. Because I just totally fell apart. I end my show with, "Hey Aspen, suck it." I was so <laughs> mad. But uh, we're there, and I get—I'm uh, up for this thing called Comics Comic or whatever award. Yeah. And I'm standing right by Hawkins, who is the ultimate comics comic in my opinion. And uh, they call my name, and I'm like, "Fuck you!" So I go up there and I go, "Your website's broken. This is horseshit." <laughs> I'm standing next to Robert Hawkins, and you're going to call my name for this. Something is wrong. Like some my mom voted too many times or whatever. And I get off. And then they go, uh they go, Well, we couldn't give Robert Hawkins the Comic Comic Award because we're giving him the Lifetime Achievement Award and I was like, sorry. Like I felt like such an asshole. They were basically like, We were going to give it to him, but we decided to give him something bigger, you piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like such an asshole.
0: I loved, I love, I love Andy Smith. I got, oh, a, I got a great. real kick out of that chick. Mm-hmm. Like we used to. She's funny as fuck, but she was real. Like she, she was a, she, she's, she is someone who will burn the house down. She's got that Lisa Left yeah. Eye Lopez yes. syndrome. Oh, of like, I'm burning your house down, motherfucker. Yep.
1: Yeah. She used to hate everything, and then she had a little girl, and now she hates everything but her little girl. That's legitimately. And she has
0: it. everything. Yeah, she's she, she does. Let's see if we have any questions coming in. Uh, it's all they're all about. I did a solo podcast and it was so fucking bad <laughs> that it actually became good. <laughs> that it was so bad, so everyone's like, everyone's like, and now everyone's like, can you get them on Rogan? Uh, let's see, did I even send that tweet out?
1: They want your solo podcast to to be on rogan's network
0: no 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 i oh. did the the solo podcast was uh you give it a listen <laughs> this is how I, I i mentioned it on rogan's podcast because my wife i was listening to see if it was any good and my wife walked in and i was listening to it she was like what is this horse shit because she hears me listening to a podcast she doesn't assume i'm listening to me sure and i go that's me she goes on whose fucking podcast i go on mine she goes, who are you talking to? I go, nobody. She goes, oh, honey, you cannot release this. This is really bad. Like, I get <laughs> – like something I like to do, like, when I get – something I like to do when I get drunk is to uh, – improv songs that are, like – like, I love to, like, come in here, like, late night, a house is asleep, and then turn on the mic, and I'll go, all right, this is my impression of me as a prince that's been kept in a castle by his father who's looking for a woman – and this is the song I'd sing to the kingdom at night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so fucking bad. You're not
1: healthy mentally. But, my, but
0: like, it, it's really freeing. It's almost, like, it's almost like dressing in drag because it's like, you don't even care. Like, I'm doing it by myself. That's and I, so I'll funny. record them in hopes that I find a gem one time. But in this one, I, I said this would be my song if I was a pirate. And everyone started to do the regular pirate chant as we w- w- went up to the boat. This is me changing it, showing them another side of pirates. <laughs> so, it's so fucking bad, but I played it, and everyone's like, more pirate songs <laughs> because you listen to it, you can't help just go like first of all, I'm like on like two cups of coffee and i'm and it's like ten in the morning, and I'm just ranting, and then someone calls in the middle, like an old friend that I wrote about in my book and then and so and then it ends with the pirate chant so. Oh, that's so great. yeah, so everyone's like, all anyone's talking about is the solo podcast. And like, <laughs> seriously, um, let's that's see if we have any funny. questions. <laughs> hey Chad, do you know where um, Lee Marlowe's phone is? He can't find it anywhere. <laughs> what do we reply to this guy? Check your ass. Um, all right, so so uh, all right. Maybe we'll try to get uh, maybe we'll try to get drunk tonight.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll shoot you a text. Yeah, shoot me a text
0: where you guys are going to be. Okay. Um, And uh, and maybe we'll have a drink. I really appreciate you doing this, man. I hope we get to run each other on the road somewhere.
1: That would be nice because uh, I feel like these two worlds colliding would be a very fun night for a
0: bunch of people. You know what we should do is we should have Colleen book us co-headlining a weekend in Omaha.
1: That would be terrific.
0: And just say, listen, I know we're not going to make the same money we normally make, but can you break us a deal so that there's an opportunity to at least break even. Yep. And then we'll do it and we'll just have a fucking blast and, we'll, and it'll be one of those epic weekends. Yeah,
1: the fun will take care of the pocketbook.
0: Yeah, I, I would love to do... I, I think the clubs... No manager or agent's ever going to be like, that sounds like a great idea. Right. But w- I, there should be a way to like put up comics. I tell you, I'm pitching this. I, I really think what we need is combos, the snack, to, pre- to do a comedy tour. The Combos Comedy oh, Tour. Absolutely. And then they bring in two headliners that compliment each other. That's fucking And great. But no, but fucking everybody reach out to Combos and tell them Chad and I are willing to do it. They sponsor it. We put combos on every fucking table. Everyone reinvestigates their love of combos and is like, fuck, I haven't had combos in a while. Yep. They got buffalo blue cheese is the greatest combo flavor ever.
1: Everyone listening bug the shit out of combos. Make Everyone
0: hit up combos and say, Chad and I are willing to do it. We'll bring on, hey, we, you can, we'll flip-flop it out. You, Tommy, me, Tommy, you, Chad, me, and you. Uh, we'll bring on comedy. We'll, we'll do yeah. like a big combos comedy tour. Oh, that would be sweet. Um, oh, I appreciate you doing that, man. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Hey, any those,
1: dates you want to promote? Uh, I'm going to be in Cincinnati, August 12 through 14, maybe-ish. Okay. And then uh, Austin, Cap City, August twenty through twenty four.
0: Perfect. I'm a big uh, I have a big uh, Austin following on the podcast. Oh nice. Yeah, Very big cool. Texas. Texas is huge. I don't, I don't do Texas anymore. So Really? Yeah, I, I had a well, I'll tell you about uh-huh. I'll tell you about Austin Austin's a great club. That's what club. I'll tell you I'll tell you about there. <laughs> All right, thanks shout out,